everyone, this is Angela Bowen, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Well, today I'm bringing you something new. I was contacted by Nicole via the email for this podcast, and she has a listener request. She asked if I could review the movie Hook, and I said, you know what, I definitely can do that. She also recommended um, that I review the movie Ever After with Drew Barrymore. Unfortunately, I don't own that movie, and it's not currently available on any streaming sites. I even checked Amazon. So that one will be put off until I can eventually find um, a copy of that. And the thing is, with Ever After, I've actually never seen the movie. I've heard of it, definitely. That movie was out when I was in high school. In the late 90s. But I definitely wanted to get to Hook at some point. But now that it's been requested, I'm like, you know, this is no better time than to cover the movie. Because right now, what am I doing? I'm sitting at home. I'm doing my podcasting stuff. Definitely. I love Hook. And it seems like a lot of you guys love it too, which is awesome. Definitely. I mean, if you were a kid in the 90s, man, I mean, yeah. You saw Hook. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through IMDb, do a little info dump, and then I want to get into my childhood history with Hook. All right, so first of all, let's start off. When was the movie Hook released? It was released December 11th, 1991, so great time for the holiday season. The movie, of course, stars... Robin Williams as Peter Banning. We have Dustin Hoffman who plays Captain Hook. Now let me tell you, at the time that I saw this movie, I don't believe I really had any real reference as to Dustin Hoffman. I know I was told like years later, like, oh yeah, that's Dustin Hoffman playing Captain Hook. And I'm like, what? What? I mean, after all, that humongous black curly wig that he wears, you know, the that's, uh, that's ha- Captain Hook there. You know, just like, I saw the Disney cartoon, and I'm just like, I just, I couldn't see Dustin Hoffman under that wig. And I'm just thinking, what exactly in 1991 or even prior of Dustin Hoffman would I have even known? I'd never seen The Graduate. I didn't see Rain Man until high school. We were quite a ways off from Meet the you know, meet the Fockers. You know, I never saw Tootsie, never saw Kramer versus Kramer. A lot of these things, I still haven't seen Tootsie. I really would like to see it. Because it makes me think of, you know, in the same vein as, vein as uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. I definitely want to cover Mrs. Doubtfire for the podcast. I am a big fan of uh, Robin Williams. Probably one of his movies that freaked me out the most that he portrayed would have been one hour photo that movie was just like Ugh, I don't know if I like that so I'm going through Dustin Hoffman's filmography uh okay he played mumbles in Dick Tracy now I know I saw Dick Tracy before I saw but no way would I have like oh that's Dustin Hoffman no I was more speaking of Dick Tracy we got a little um we got a What's the word I'm looking for? I can't even think of it now. Um, I can't think of it. Anyway, it's like, yeah, we got 
somebody in Dick Tracy who is also in Hook. And that is actor Charlie Cosmo, who plays Jack, Peter Banning's son. He has two children. He has Jack, who's the oldest, and then he has Maggie. Okay, oh, yeah, I remember um, he did the voice of Mr. Bergstrom. Granted, we didn't know that because they used different... Same thing with Michael Jackson in the Simpsons episode. I'm just really trying to see what else I could have... I saw Sleepers in 96. <laughs> oh, this is wild, guys. A connection. That's what I, the word I was thinking of. But here's another connection. 2004's Finding Neverland. Dustin Hoffman was in the Peter Pan retelling of Hook. Also, in Finding Neverland in 2004 with um, Johnny Depp. And Kate Winslet. Guys, Kate Winslet is my favorite actress. I really like her. I think she's awesome. All right, so we got Dustin Hoffman as Captain Hook. We got Robin Williams as Peter Banning. We got Julia Roberts as Tinkerbell. Bob Hoskins, who was in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, he would have been Smee. Julia Roberts had been in Pretty Woman. She'd been in Steel Magnolias. I'm trying to think what Robin Williams had been in prior to this. Um, I, As far as prior to this, of something that I'd seen, I'd never watched Mork and Mindy, The World According to Garp. Oh, God. Ooh, Survivors looks good. Um, I really want to see, Jeremy has the movie, Good Morning Vietnam, so, okay, so that, um, that came out before Hook, let's see here, Dead Poets Society, that's another big one he was in, 89, Awakenings, Awakenings, oh my gosh, I love that movie, him with Robert De Niro, it's so good, I wrote a paper about that movie in high school, we have Dame Maggie Smith herself, Miss, uh, <laughs> where's she at here? Violet Crawley, yes. Dowager Countess, if you will. I love Downton Abbey. Also, another movie that Maggie Smith is in that I'm going to review for the podcast. 1993's The Secret Garden. Love that movie. It's so good. And it's so perfect for kind of right now with just springtime and things opening up. So I'll definitely be getting to that one. Like I said, we have Charlie Cosmo. He plays Jack or Jackie Banning. Aside from Dick Tracy and Hook, he was also in 1991's What About Bob? Looks like he kind of retired from acting for a bit. Came back in 1998 as William Lichter and Can't Hardly Wait. One of my teen movies, guys. This was one of my teen Love Can't Hardly Wait. It's so awesome. Definitely go watch it. I can't believe it came out like 12 years ago. Now we have, of course, Amber Scott who plays young Maggie Banning. And it really, she really doesn't look like she's done a lot as far as film goes. Maybe she might have had a career. Oh, it does say soundtrack and producer. Okay. We have Caroline Goodall, who plays Moira, Peter's wife. She was in Hook. She was in Schindler's List. She was in Chasing Liberty. She was in, I'm trying to see anything else. That, oh, The Crown. Okay. Uh, A Street Cat Named Bob. Um, guys, that is an amazing book. Also, The World According to Bob. 
It's the sequel. It's really, really good. Okay, the dressmaker, the best. So she's had a had a bit of a career. Okay, good for her. Good for her. Hey, you guys know the singer Phil Collins? He used to be in Genesis a long time ago, but then he also did like soundtracks for Disney, um, Tarzan. Uh, Brother Bear. I'm trying to think if he did any others, but he's awesome. He plays the inspector in this movie, and we'll get to that. Um, another lady, sadly an R.I.P. She passed in 92. Laurel Cronin. And if you guys have seen Beethoven, this lady... This lady was the babysitter of Rice, Ted, and Emily. Remember the scene where Emily almost drowns in that lady's pool and she's too busy singing that song from Moulin Rouge? Baby Talk! I loved Baby Talk! That was such a good, short-lived spin-off to the Look Who's Talking trilogy, which I am definitely covering that one for the podcast. Okay, okay, enough's enough. That's, uh, okay. Of course, the director of Hook, Steven Spielberg, come on, you guys know this dude. He has done so much stuff. So, E.T., Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, Indiana Jones movies, The Amazing Stories, um, which actually, that show is making a comeback, which is kind of cool. Let's see here, we got Bumblebee... You know, he's done Jurassic Park, I just, the war, oh, this is a lot of, you know, current stuff that he's done, but we all know that this guy has done a lot of amazing, amazing stuff. So many to count. You know, you got Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, we got E.T., we got Twilight Zone the movie, we got the Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Color Purple, I've not seen it, Empire of the Sun, another Indiana Jones movie, Always. Hook, 91, 93 for Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. He did The Lost World. Uh, Amistad, Saving Private Ryan. AI, Artificial Intelligence, not a good movie. Um, Minority Report, Catch Me If You Can, The Terminal. A lot of Tom Hanks movies. War of the Worlds, I hear it's not great. Uh, Let's see what else. Adventures of Tintin, War Horse, Lincoln. Another Tom Hanks film, The BFG, another Tom Hanks film. He and Tom Hanks must be like, you know, this, fingers, like, whatever. Ready Player, oh, he's got like five upcoming projects. West Side Story, are they making another one of those? Oh, boy. Um, But, yeah, he's got such an amazing career, this man. Yeah, Jeremy just chastised me. You're like, oh, you refer to it as another Indiana Jones movie? I mean, I have nothing against Indiana Jones. I I think they're good movies. It's just, I'm not huge on, like, action when it comes to that stuff. All right, let's do some trivia real quick. Robin Williams became best friends with director Steven Spielberg while making this movie. Reportedly after Williams' death, Spielberg decided to watch this movie out of remembrance, but couldn't finish it because he couldn't stop crying for several hours. Gosh, I remember where I was when I found out Robin Williams passed away. I was at work, and a co-worker was just, a maintenance guy was walking past. He's like, you know Robin Williams passed away? I'm like, oh, my God. And it was such a shock because it was so unexpected. Uh, when the Bannings fly to England, the pilot's voice is that of Dustin Hoffman, Captain Hook. This is your captain speaking. I got I to gotta hear that. The kissing couple begin to float when some fairy dust lands on them were George Lucas and Carrie Fisher in Cameo. 
Dame Maggie Smith, being only 56 years old at the time of filming, was aged by makeup to play 92-year-old Granny Wendy. So, in 91, she was made up to look like what she would look like now in, like, in the Downton Abbey movie. Yeah. <laughs> Gutless, the male bearded pirate who was locked in the boo box. That always scared me to death. Locked in the boo box with scorpions was played by none other than Glenn Close. So I don't know if this bit of trivia is true. It says Julia Roberts was nicknamed Tinker Hell because she was difficult to deal with. A reaction to her working conditions of solitude and green screen. So the word that gets thrown around a lot in this movie once we actually get to Neverland and we see the Lost Boys, it's called bangering. It's actually Jamaican slang for uproar, disorder, or disturbance. Writer James V. Hart credits the inspiration for his take on this continuing Peter Pan story to his young son, Jake, who one day asked him what would have happened if Peter Pan grew up. Well, I think we need to credit the son. I think we need, that's who we need to credit, this boy who came up with, I mean, but then again, who hadn't thought of that? I mean, there's so many things that we wonder about. When it comes to fictional characters, that's kind of like, you know, why we have the fan fiction that we do. That people, like, they wonder things. Like, what if we did this with this character and, and did this? And it's like, yeah, that's how fan fiction is born. It's just, it's cool. Like, you can take a character, throw your own idea into it, and just make something that you wish could have happened happen. Julia Roberts almost put the production into jeopardy when she fled California after a wedding to Kiefer Sutherland was called off. She decided to avoid the press by hiding out in Ireland. A furious Steven Spielberg reportedly threatened to fire her if she didn't immediately return. Robin Williams' upper body and arms were shaved for this role. In this movie, it is explained that Toodles lives with Wendy because Wendy didn't have the heart to put him in a home. In the original draft of the play, Toodles and Wendy got married when they grew up. Uh, okay. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman's three children make appearances in the movie. His youngest son, Max Hoffman, played five-year-old Peter Pan. His daughter, Rebecca Hoffman, played Jane in the play at the beginning of the movie. And his eldest son, Jake Hoffman, played a Little League player in Jack's baseball game. We also have a cameo by Jimmy Buffett, one of the pirates who attempts to steal Peter's shoes when he first arrives in Neverland. All right, I'd say that's enough trivia for now. We'll get into maybe a little more trivia goofs at, once I'm done um, reviewing the movie. Real quick, my experience with the movie Hook as a child. I got this movie, I'd say I, it came out in 91, so I wouldn't have gotten it until my 10th birthday. And, of course, my older sister ends up spoiling the fact that I'd be getting the movie. Not only that, I come home, my sister is watching... Mind you, I'd never seen Hook in the theater. And I come in, and she's watching the movie. Not the beginning of the movie, not the middle, but towards the end. And I'm just like... And she did the same thing with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Like, whenever I get a movie, like, those are the two instances where she ruined the movies for me, in a way. Alright, so, as I said, this movie review is listener-requested. This request, of course, is going out to Nicole. Thank you so much for requesting the movie hook. And if any of you would like to request a movie, mainly something from the 90s is kind of what I'm going for right now. 
90s kids movies, uh, just send me an email to lbomwonderyearspodcast at gmail.com. I will put the email address in the episode description as well. So without further ado, let's get into Hook. Uh, I am going to be honest, this movie is over two hours and 20 minutes long. Uh, my review for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was over three and a half hours long. If I have to, I really don't want to. If I have to do it, I will split this up, but I really don't want to do that. I kind of want to just keep the movie in one whole review, so there's hoping that works. All right. All right, so the movie opens, and we are in a theater. No, not a movie theater. We are in a school auditorium and we see the kids and they are really I mean they're into this we hear someone crying off screen then we go to the stage we see Maggie who's playing Wendy and of course I believe that in some of the let me look it up real quick I want to make sure I get this right so I'm looking at IMDb, and it definitely looks like Peter Pan has been played by, in many versions, has been played by a woman. And in this school play, it's no different. Peter Pan's being played by a young girl. So, of course, the girl asks Peter, saying, I wasn't crying. I was trying to get my shadow to stick. And, of course, we do see a lady looks like the play director who is actually feeding Maggie her lines as she says I shall sew it out for you my little man it may hurt a little this is a long name as Wendy Maggie as Wendy says because of course Peter asks what's your name and she says <coughs> excuse me Wendy Moira Angela Darling hey she's got my name no it's not Moira and no it's not Wendy you guys know what my name is. I say it at the beginning of every episode. <laughs> so now we cut to the audience that is just so entranced in this. Except for one person who... This is 1991. Cell phones weren't heavily prevalent as we see them today. Basically, he's got an old-fashioned simple flip phone. And of course, we see Moira, Peter's wife, who's like, watch your daughter. She's wonderful. She's got a beautiful accent. I love her accent. It's beautiful. And this is going to be a reoccurring issue, at least in the first quarter of the film, where Moira is constantly having to tell Jack, you need to pay attention to your kids. Your daughter is right there on stage, and you're not even looking at her. I love how Jack is such a good big brother to Maggie because he's so attentive. He's not like, oh, my little sister, this is so boring. Why did I get dragged? He's not like that. And I love it. He's like, yeah, she's stealing the show. Of course, we get the thimble kiss. And she's like, I'll give you a kiss if you like. And, of course, Peter holds her hand out. <laughs> holds his, I don't know how to identify him when he's being played by a girl. Um, holds the hand out, and of course, Wendy's like, don't you know what a kiss is? And of course, Peter's like, I will once you give one to me. And of course, it's the thimble. Okay, here's the thimble. Now I shall give you a kiss. It's adorable. It is really, really dark on stage. 
So, of course, it's a musical, so Peter Pan goes on this, I don't ever want to be a man, Ugh, I want to be a boy so I can have fun and never grow up. And, of course, all these children just appear in Wendy's room, all the lost boys, and they're all like, we don't ever want to grow up, we want to be like Peter Pan. And, of course, back in the audience, bring, 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 like, is this 2020 already? Yes, we're not in a movie theater. And no, it doesn't say please turn off your cell phones or pagers. But dang it if we wish there was a sign that said that. Because <laughs> he would still ignore it. He's so rude. He can't even, like, get up and excuse himself. I'm surprised people aren't like, can you shut up? Can you take that outside? That doesn't sound like an emergency to me. I love how Peter is, like, trying to, like, duck down or slide down. Like, oh, maybe if I slide down and... Whisper, it won't be as obvious that I'm on my phone. It looks like his manager, his boss, Brad, wants him to come in for something. He's like, the, Peter's job, he's very high in demand, very, very busy, busy man, really doesn't get moments like this to spend with his children, go to their activities, like Maggie with her play. Coming up, he's going to be Jack with his little league. It's very important. And we hear Peter say, look, it's impossible. I'm on a plane to London tomorrow night with my family. And he's like, a children's hospital is dedicated an entire wing to Granny Wendy. I have to be there. Of course, now we cut to Moira. He's like, Peter, you're missing it. So, of course, he schedules a meeting in the morning, like, before his flight. Oh, my God. And, of course, Jack gets wind of this. He's got his baseball, just if you didn't know that he's in Little League. He's got his baseball. It's like, Dad, my game, you promised. Which really shouldn't come as a shock, because it seems like Peter has not been there for any of his damn games. Usually sends the wife. Of course, she's being, you know, some someone's got to be there to see him. But, no, he'll send somebody from his office with a damn camcorder so he can cover what he missed. That's not the same thing. So Jack is, Jack, <laughs> Peter is like pleading into the phone like, look, it's the last game of the season, Santa series. I gotta be there, I promise. He's still gotta make that meeting. We'll just make it a short meeting. Sure, I'm sure you will. We're gonna get this a lot. I'll be there. My word is my bond. Well, your bond is fucking bullshit, which we'll later find out. So it's the third annual Santa series. We're at the Little League Diamond says not date baseball league winter whatever the hell we got the umpire catcher or whoever he's supposed to be wearing a santa hat and a beard next team is the blue jays i'm wondering where exactly they live because i know they're going to london we'll be there for all of the movie except for this bit where exactly Okay, so if it's Santa series, it's got to be around November, December. Where the hell are they? Of course, we get another line from Moira. Where is your father? He's missing it. And, of course, Maggie, who's, like, chowing down on a big old Dodger dog, mustard, filled with mustard. She's like, Daddy, I'm promised. So let's go and see what Peter's up to. Yes, he's at this meeting. He's delegating responsibilities. So apparently, yeah, he can't get to the game, but here, let's have your assistant, or whoever this man is, take a video camera, go to the He even has somebody to dictate the speech he's going to give for the dedication to Granny Wendy, that wing at the hospital. 
Oh, yeah, she didn't write the this speech, but someone named Ned Miller did, and apparently Peter's like, oh, I loved his annual report, so read it back to me. So now we're cutting back to the game. Of course, Maggie now at this point is like, Mommy, where is Daddy? He said he'd be here. I mean, I had hoped that he'd be here, but now I think I'm starting to doubt myself. Okay, it's cold because you see somebody with gloves eating a hot dog. Everyone's got gloves on. Everyone's, like, in big heavy winter coats. I feel sorry for the kids on the field. All they have are those, like, loose, like, thin material, you know, baseball jerseys. <laughs> Makes me cold just thinking about it. He gives a rat's ass more about these damn people. What the hell is he doing? He's got him on a roll of flip phone. He's got it, like, attached to the hip, like, on his belt. And this lady, these ladies are all, like, pretending, okay, let's do a run-through how this is gonna go. And she goes, Rrr! and then, of course, both guys, Peter and whoever this man is, go right for their, almost like they're getting ready to draw, like, draw out the gun, like, pull out their gun out of their holster and, like, shoot. It's like, let's see who gets to their phone fastest, boom, and it's Peter. <coughs> Excuse me. He's wearing a Blue Jays hat, you know, in honor of his son's baseball game. I'm like, Peter, you take that off your head. You don't have to wear that hat. You lost that right. I don't know how many games he's missed, but the fact that this man is so damn important, your son's only going to be in Little League for so long. And you can only miss so many things of your kids' activities before they're like, you know what, don't, don't even bother saying you're going to show up because I know you're not going to. So he's clearly never been in a plane before because he's so nervous about it and they're all like here's your folder of information here's your coffee and of course this one lady's like oh don't worry most people die in car accidents more than plane crashes of course he's like the well if it's your time to go it's your time to go as he gets into an elevator and of course they're like, oh remember don't let your arms get tired lame ass joke and of course, Peter's like, what if it's the pilot's time to go as the elevator doors close? And it's like, Peter, you need to stop. And I hate how those people at his job are more important than his kid. I get it, he's the one paying the bills. But it just, I hate how perky all those people are. Like, ugh. Alright, we're jumping back to the baseball game as we got Mr poofball hat here from the office who's got a handheld Sony camera like, hey, Mrs. Bennett, because he's got to shout over everyone like shouting and cheering I'm from the office, which one's your son? And of course, Moira's just like, uh, he's the one over there at bat. Damn it, Peter! Even Maggie who's clapping is just kind of looking at this guy who's kind of squeezed in between her and her mom's like, who the fuck is this loser? Dad couldn't make it again, sent his lackey. So, of course, Jack sees his father's not there. Instead, it's, like, his lackey with a camcorder. And it's like, fuck. So you know this is going to cloud his judgment because he's up to bat. And apparently his weakness is the curveball. Because you hear Moira saying, please not a curveball, please not a curveball. And, of course, that's exactly what the ump or the catcher signals to um, the uh, the pitcher. Like, yeah, they know his weakness. It's the curveball. So, of course, he strikes out. Fucking sucks for this kid. It really does. First, his dad can't get his ass to his game, and now he fucking strikes out 
cost the game for the kid. Oh my gosh. Is this his last attempt at a, attempt at a swing? Because we see him swing like once and it's like, well, that's the game. Like, I thought it's straight. We probably didn't see the other two strikes. You just see the coach's face is just loud. I'm like, damn it, why we put him up to bat? So now we cut to Peter finally having arrived, and it's like no one is there except for the people that are cleaning up all the trash of like the hot dog holders and um, the popcorn bags and all that shit. It's like, dude, why did you even bother? Do you see any other cars around? Get in your car and leave. All right, I read in the trivia that this Pan Am actually went out of business just before the movie went to theater. Like, oh no, it's horrible. Granted, I didn't fly in a plane till I was at least, let's see, like 28, 29 years old. Again, before that, I never actually had an opportunity to fly. And I was definitely nervous. I was a little, I wasn't panicky, but I was nervous. Yes, I can definitely hear Dustin Hoffman's English Captain. You can hear Captain Hook in his voice. So now we're kind of panning down the row of people who there's turbulence and everyone's like eating some form of like a TV dinner meal. When I went on a flight, you know, the pretty much all of the times I went on a flight, it's always been... Hey, what do you want? Like, soda? I got juice. I got some um, alcohol if you're into that. Do you want cookies or do you want pretzels? No, you can't have both. Cookies or pretzels. <laughs> and you get a cup full of, like, Diet Coke or Sprite or whatever. I mean, I guess there are instances where you can get, like, a meal or you can get a sandwich, but, of course, you gotta pay for that. It's just some take a sip from whatever it's like a little cup that yeah on the airline you'd get with like pop or whatever and it's just jiggling like, like oh my gosh so of course Myra and Jack are sitting in front of Peter and Maggie who actually is she's asleep and it looks like Peter is just just sitting there just like, <laughs> you know he did not want to sit next to the window. He's like, honey, you can have it. And you know, being this has got to be his first time flying, turbulence is not going to help his anxiety and his, his nerves. As the captain says, Bernal, please sit back and relax and enjoy the remainder of the flight. They're going to London. I can't even imagine how many hours that would take. But, I mean, you have to fly there. It's not like you can drive. You gonna drive across the ocean? I don't think so. Is this like a handheld word processor thing? Because it says, like, Granny Wendy calls something favorite orphan. I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Of course, Maggie is up now, and she has a drawing that did that. That Jack drew of the plane with the wings on fire and everyone, of course, has got a parachute. Except for Jack. Or, uh, Jack drew everyone with a parachute. You know, Mom, Maggie. But, nope, Dad, he's in there. He's in the water with the, surrounded by sharks. Yeah, you see, both wings of the plane, it's in a downward spiral. Both wings of the plane are on fire. We see... Maggie, we see Moira, we see Jack with parachutes. We see... Peter falling to his death sans parachute. 
Well, maybe you should have gotten to his game. Maybe you'd have a parachute. Oh, yeah, shark-infested waters in this picture. Wow, this kid is very, uh, he's working through his anger. And his anger says his dad's going to go into those shark-infested waters. But his mom's sister and himself are going to be saved by the parachutes. So, of course, Peter's like, where's my parachute? Maggie don't have an aunt. She didn't draw the picture? Of course, Moira leans over her chair to Peter. It's like, you're not going to die. At least not without a phone and fax machine. And Peter's like, well, I'm halfway there. I got my phone in my briefcase. Like, dude, you're going to live. Don't worry. So, of course, she's like, can you please talk to your son? I don't want to enter another country with you, you know, him hating your ass. You know, it's the holiday season. Come on now. But this is on Peter. I mean, Jack's pissed. He's right to be pissed. I'm going to play this clip. What do you think? Take a wild guess. <laughs> Jackie. Jackie. Why are you calling him Jackie? Well, you stop that Exactly. I am gonna punch you in the damn face. You ass. He's a kid, dude. Exactly. You grow up. I can't believe him. Plus, he needs to lay off the Jackie. I mean, come on. The kid's like, what, 10? Like, enough with the Jackie. His name is Jack. He's like, why didn't I have a parachute, Jackie? I'm like, why the fuck do you think you didn't have one? And, of course, Jack is, like, hitting the windows. And he's like, you stop that? And, of course, Jack's like, oh, my gosh. Really? You think you're going to get sucked out the window? Yes, you do. You think you're going to get sucked out. Which, I can imagine a flight attendant walking past, like, young man, can you... Please put the baseball away. We don't need to have any accidents. Yeah, Final Destination had not come out yet. When did that movie Alive come out? That one scared the hell out of me. We watched that in, like, English class, and I, later, it was kind of like, pulled up, like, a fucking pipe out of someone's stomach, and I just screamed in the middle of class. And I remember the teacher, like, paused the movie and turned the lights on. Like, who did that? But anyway, I can't believe Peter has the gall to say, next, next season, I'm coming to six games, I promise. And of course, Jack's like, fuck your shit. Be sure to be on, buy enough videotape. When you send out your lackey. Again, with that, my word is my bond. I will punch you in the mouth if you say the word bond again. I swear, I swear. And of course, Jack's like, yeah, a junk bond. Uh-huh, as he... Tosses his baseball up to where they store the oxygen masks. If there were an issue where the plane were going to go down, he needed, you know, everyone's hyperventilating. Like, put these masks on, just breathe into them. And, of course, Peter's already on edge. Like, ah! 
But you're gonna stop acting like a child. And of course, Jack's like, <laughs> he's laughing. I am a child. And of course, Peter's like, grow up. And I'm like, stop. Your kid already hates you. You want him to continue to give you the silent treatment? I think, Peter, you need to reevaluate your priorities. Oh, we see Big Ben. I want to go to London so bad. So, of course, Peter's saying how it's been a long time. Moira, like, Peter, come on, let's just have fun, please. And I love how she says London's a magical place for children. And, of course, she's like, well, it was for us. It's gotten very expensive. Of course, Peter's not paying attention because Moira and the kids are going to the right house because the doors are side by side. And he's like, oh, I'm going to this one. It's like, no, this one. So Moira's instructing Maggie, like, the proper way to introduce yourself and not, you know, the London way, the UK way. And, of course, Jack, being a typical kid, is all like, hey, I'm going to slide down this uh, concrete divider between the houses. And, of course, Peter's all like, Jack, get down from there, you'll break your neck. How many times when I went to church as a kid were kids, like, trying to, like, play with the hand railing and get in between uh, the railing and, like, slide down that way? Yeah. So Maggie, of course, since she played her granny in the play, like, is Granny Wendy the real Wendy? And, of course, Peter's like, no, she's not. And Moira's like, sort of, kind of. <laughs> Peter's like, Jackie, can you please stop being a sloucher? Can you please get that gum out of your mouth? Remember, like, remember, we're representing our country. We're representing America. Let's, like, act civilized, please. I gotta play this clip because I laugh every time. He knocks on the door and Liza, I believe, Lisa, Liza, whatever her name is, because he gets it wrong twice. She opens the door, not even looking at the Banning family. He's like, it's snowing! And shuts the door. And of course, Jack finds this hilarious. Like, <laughs> of course, he's still got that gum in his mouth. Like, <laughs> and, and Peter's got to like whack him on the back. <laughs> I always thought this was so funny. Oh, it was Toodles, not Liza, that did that. not even see them his mind is like snowing <sighs> of course he knocks that peter knocks down the door again and it's her name is liza but he's like lisa lisa and she's like liza ah! it's just all this screaming and she's like oh my gosh what adorable children and she pulls both jack and maggie in by their scarves and then she's like got both of them in the crooks of her arm and it's like i can't breathe 
And of course, I mean, the, it looks beautiful. And Liza's like, I've been cooking all week. I've been preparing all week for this. Moira is, like, so ecstatic. Because she's from, you know, London and everything. I think when she got with Peter, and then he probably, um, I don't want to say migrated to the U.S., but eventually they transferred there. Because the kids don't have English accents like Moira does. So she's like, what have you been cooking? Mince pies? Brandy snaps? <laughs> and Moira finds a picture of teenage Peter, and she she brings it, like, look at this, look at this. Who's that? Peter's like, who's that? She's like, it's you. Like, he hasn't been home in ages a long, long time. Probably not since he, like, probably graduated high school. And he can't even remember what, it's almost like once he got to the U.S., everything that happened in London, just a black veil just came over, just covering, like, his memories. Like, it would, it's like everything's been locked down and it needs one trigger and all those memories are going to be unleashed. And he's like, well, was I ever that long and young? And, and uh, Moira, I don't know what's come over her, but she is just all like, oh, Peter, oh, just kissing him. And he's like, looking at her like he doesn't even recognize his own wife. Like, what's gotten into you? And she's like, oh, this house, this house has gotten into me. So many memories. We were children in these rooms. And she, it, it's almost like, I mean, for Moira, yes. She's just, everything just hits her. It's like. If you haven't been back to your childhood home and you go there and, like, everything looks exactly the same, it's like flashback after flashback. It's like you just picture yourself as a And that's what's going to, with, with Moira and everything. Peter, of course, like I said, he's blocked all of that out. And, of course, we officially meet Toodles, who's on the floor. Lost, 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 lost. And, of course, Peter's like, lost what? Toodles is like, I've lost my marbles. And of course, Peter's like, <laughs> yeah, not surprising. Because Toodles is, he's a senior citizen. He's got to be at least like 55. So, well, granted, this is 1991, like 50, 60 years old. If you say, oh, that person's like 50, 60 years old now, that person looks like they're at least in their 40s. It's amazing how people at that age now look young. Well, not young, young, but they definitely don't look what we remember as kids as being 50s and 60s. So what has Peter got against Toodles? Like, gosh, I thought, wasn't he supposed to be in like a home or something? What, does he not feel comfortable having his kids around Toodles? Like, I don't want some guy who's mentally handicapped or whatever to be in the same house as my kid. It just seems like he's uncomfortable. Like, I don't want that type of person around. I, I don't know. I'm clearly making too much of this. But. So, of course, Liza says, well, it broke Wendy's heart. I mean, after all, Toodles is Wendy's first orphan. Of course, Liza's getting the bags because those are still, like, in the entryway or they're still outside. Oh, I was gonna say, who's that, like, Justin Gorini-looking dude on the front step? Oh, it's some guy who's, like, dropping off their luggage. Of course, we get... We get... <laughs> I was gonna call her Maggie. <laughs> Maggie Smith. She is Maggie Smith! Um, but no, it's Granny Wendy. And she, 
You see, she's in shadow. We only see her silhouette at the top of the stairs, which is shrouded in, like, darkness, but the only light coming from, she's backlit by the window there at the top of the stairs. And she's like, hello, boy. And he turns and sees her. And all at once, it seems like Peter's just been reduced to that little boy again. When Wendy comes down, I'm just calling her Wendy right now. Um, and he's like, I'm Peter's like, I'm sorry it's been so long between visits. And she says, It's been 10 years between visits, but never mind. And she pulls him in for a hug. And it's just like, it's just so sweet. And it's just, and it, it's so sweet, just his reaction. It's just like he, he looks like he emotionally just melts in her arms. Just like, I'm home. But then again, who wouldn't want to be hugged by Maggie Smith? Or Wendy? Sweetheart of a lady. And of course, Moira just jumps right in there for a hug. It's like, oh, my granddaughter, my granddaughter. So I'm guessing that more likely Moira just sends like yearly school photos of the kids. So she at least knows... Like, oh, wow, this can't be little Maggie. And who is this giant here? Is this Jack? And it's just, of course, we learn Peter's job, you know, chairman of the board, working in, like, what do you say, uh, mergers and acquisitions and also land contracts or developing whatever. Jack pretty much makes... Uh, Peter out to be just this tyrant of a guy. Like, when a company's in trouble, he just 
jumps like right in there and takes over and just if he gets any resistance it's poo blows him right out of the water and you see wendy look at peter and just in surprise like peter you've become a pirate i love what wendy says here to them like i have one rule while you stay in my house that is never throw up stop like just stop right now. I like that rule, definitely. Especially, she's like, especially you, Mr. Chairman of the Board. I gotta say, though, I really, really love the score to this movie. It's just, it's hauntingly beautiful. So, he opens the double doors that lead to the two twin beds where Jack and Maggie will sleep. And it's really... I love how there's this, like, little mini alcove where the beds, the top of the beds are, and you see, like, it's kind of backlit by this lamp, and then you see there's, like, pictures on the walls, and, like, one of them, which has, like, a little, almost like a little mobile of stars, and the window, of course, this... Actually, it's more like uh, French doors leading out onto, like, a patio, a balcony. And, of course, we have these long curtains and that wintry wind just gusts just blowing in there. But it does kind of give off, especially the score underneath it just gives off kind of a semi-ominous vibe. And like he said, you know, it's been 10 years since the last time that he's been there. And the paintings, a lot of paintings of, like, ships. And one in particular is this painting of what looks like definitely Captain Hook at the end of this rowboat. And you see him because he's got the big old hat with the big old bushy white feather out the back of it. And he's got that hook. And he's just like he's leading the charge, like, men, follow me! And you see Smee there and everything. Well, I mean, it, the room is dark, so you only see a little bit of the painting. But it's still definitely... And as he's looking at the painting, as we're getting a glimpse of a... Oh my gosh, that looks like a face. Um, That's a face, like... That's kind of... But you hear, like, the seagulls, you hear the waves crashing... And just Peter's reaction of, ooh, it's cold. Well, of course it's cold. Go shut that door. It is December after all. And it's nighttime. You don't want your kids catching pneumonia now. He shuts the double doors to the balcony. And of course, the knob that, the metal knob, of course, has a hook on it. Which definitely, it's like a hook. Like Captain Hook hook looking so turns out of course peter can try to leave work but work won't leave peter alone because brad's on the line he says it's urgent granny's got her dress because remember they're going to that um ceremony to honor granny wendy for you know the dedication of the children's hospital and all that stuff just jacks up like i'm supposed to tell you how great it is that your uh, wing is being dedicated to you and all your hard work. And it's like, it's so rehearsed. Like, any parent would say, okay, now, when you go to her, 
remember to thank her for all her hard work with the children's hospital. And she's got this, like, mink stole around her. I don't know if it's part of the dress. She's got, of course, a cane with her because she is, you know, she's up there in age. She's supposed to be, like, in her 90s. And, of course, she's like, oh, Peter, do you like my dress? And he's like, oh, yeah, he's not even paying it. He just barely even glances at her as he heads into his room. Like, yeah, great, grand, real nice. He is so eager for that phone call. And what happens next is just doom. So, of course, Jack and Maggie, they're ready to go to bed, but of course not before. They're all like, oh, daddy, daddy! Jack's trying to drool all over me and blah, blah, blah! And they're just making so much racket. And it's like, I get that he's PO'd because it's like, I'm trying to take this call. My whole life's work is going to be down the drain, apparently. Because of some land development that's going to go under because of some wildlife protection order on these owls that need the land to be able to fornicate and produce, you know, offspring to keep the species going. So I guess that way that number on the endangered species list will lower. I don't know. But the kids aren't exactly helping. And I'm like, dude... Take that conversation out of the bedroom. It always irritated me how he gets so... But I would get pissed off. It's like, kids, will you shut the fuck up? Finally, it's just like... He gets so wound up about, wow, son of should just shoot me in the head right now. And you see Jack going, bang, bang. And Peter just loses. Like, why don't you shut up? It's like, we're going to get them out of here. I am on the phone call of my life. I'm going to lose my job. And, of course, she's like, got the kid. And the kids are all like, well, what I say? What I'm sorry? What I do? And it's like, get them out of here. And, of course, Granny Wendy's like, okay, okay, children, come with me. I'll tell you a story, a bedtime story. But just, I'm going to play this clip. His reaction is just like, whoa, dude. We clearly know your priorities aren't where they should be right now. And I'm like, this... This can't wait, apparently, until he gets back. It really, it can't wait. Is your whole company going to go under due to these fornicating owls that are on the endangered species? Apparently, they can't do anything with that land because the owls are there. You can't move them because they're on the endangered species list or some shit. <laughs> Ew. Really? You know, you can take it into, like, the bathroom if you need to. You don't have to necessarily stay right there. You got Maggie, like, grabbing onto his neck and like, Oh, Jack's trying to suck my blood and drool all over my lap, like a vampire. 
and it's it's almost like and, and Jack, of course, while Peter's you know on the phone is like giving this commentary to Peter as Peter as Peter's like, oh, ask if anyone know uh, misses the T Rex, the Tyrannosaurus Rex, and Jack, I swear it's like he's almost answering the oh, boy, do I ever? <laughs> Yeah, he could have just as easily excused himself. So what? This is a five billion dollar deal that is gonna fall apart because some owl has a mating ritual of fifty a fifty mile radius mating whatever. <laughs> so luckily, uh Wendy gets in there, takes the kids like, Hey, I will show you where your mom and your father would Stand out on the uh, the balcony and look at stars or something like that. And we get back to the bedroom. And I tell you what, Moira is well within her right to jump down his throat. Because someone needs to give that guy a piece of, his mo- of their mind. Because this is insane. So apparently he's now regretting having come to London at the time that he has. Like I should have just stayed there till the deal was done. I thought it would be fine. And, of course, Moira was like, you haven't been here for ten years. And apparently Granny has asked for Peter to come, like, every single year. And he kept putting it off and putting it off. And, you know, apparently his promises are like, oh, don't worry, kids. When we get to London, it's going to be great. We'll have all this time together. And she's kind of reminding him of that. And he's like, what do you mean? I just got here. And Moira's like, yeah, but you've done nothing but yell at them. She's just had it. Like, how many times do you got to break your kid's heart with these damn promises that you know you're not going to be able to keep? And, of course, Brad needs to get a fucking life because now he's calling back again. It's like, dude, give it a rest. Is Peter the only one that has a say in this deal? You get umpteen. I saw a shit ton of people in that building with him. One of them should be able to work this out. But I guess because Peter is the chairman of the board, he must get the final say. It's like... You know what, Brad? You fix this, okay? You deal with this. I'm with my family. You do what you feel is best. Run it by me, and we'll go from there. And, of course, he's like, look, I got to take this call. I got to fix this. And think, no, you need to fix your family first. So, of course, he takes the call, and she rips that phone right out of his hand. And, of course, conveniently, there's an open window. She flings it right out there, and he's like... And he goes from the window, looks down, and it's like, I can't believe you did that. I'd be like, I can't believe she took so long to do that. I want to play this code because it's so good what Moira says. And it could be applied to any man who's got kids that is more focused about his business and that than spending time with his children. It's like... Your kids, you know, they're young. They want to play with you. And eventually they're going to get to that age where you're the one who's going to want to play with them and hang out with them. And they're not going to have any time for you because they're going to be busy living their lives. Perfect example of that. The Cats in the Cradle song. Where the kid's like, hey, Dad, let's go, like, ride bikes together. Let's play Catch in the Yard. Help me work on this soapbox. And the dad's like, no, no, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow. And eventually... The kid's a teenager, and the dad's like, hey, do you want to go? We can go out to eat or whatever. And the kid's like, no, dad, sorry. I mean, can I have the keys, though? Because I gotta go meet my friend somewhere. And eventually, the kid grows up to be an adult with a marriage and children of his own. And the father, of course, is sitting by the phone because his son never calls him. 
It's like, son, uh, you haven't called me in a while. We missed a couple Christmases. Do you think you could um, find it in your heart to maybe come visit? And of course, it's like, dad, no, look, my kid's got the flu. I'm not going anywhere. My wife's out working because we both need to work. You had your time to hang out with me and you chose your job over me. So, yeah. But I want to play it because this is just what she said. It's so true. And Peter's just not, it's not sinking in for him because he's just got business on the brain. And again, the line, you are missing it. And she said this already several times. And even the point where she's like, yo, Jack eventually isn't going to even want you at his games. I honestly feel that I don't think Jack's going to, I mean, this is going to be such a source. I, I think well, we've all seen the end of the movie and how it ends, that it's going to work out. That, But anyway, I mean, the point is, She's like, we only have them for this short amount of time. And, you know, they want you to play with them. And eventually, they're not going to want that anymore. And they're going to be off doing their own thing. And then you're the one who's going to be going after them because you want a little bit of attention. It's like, you're missing it. You, you know, these years, we only have so much time with these kids. Jack's already 10. Give it at least another three to five years, and he is not going to want anything really to do with his dad. Maggie, too. Wait till she gets to be a teenager and an, an, another, like, how old is she now? Eight? Uh, so another, like, five, six years. Oh, my gosh. Treasure the, the this time right now is the peak time to spend with your kids. Of course, we see the cell phone, which the dog, we don't even learn that this has got to be Nana. It's a sheep dog, but in the Disney cartoon, it's a St. Bernard. So now we go to the kids' room, and we see, of course, the French doors are open. Jack's in the balcony. He's got his mitt. He's got his ball. He's just kind of like, you know, hitting, like, smacking it, all that stuff. And I love this. It's almost like a little camp thing, because she's got, like, a bed sheet. Uh, Granny Wendy does, and this little, like, pole thing, and it's just really, really cool. She's reading the story of, I think she's reading the story of, like, Peter Pan. And of course, you know, Maggie must know the story by heart, because, you know, she was Wendy in the play. She had to know the stuff. I love, and I love how Jack is just staring outside, and just not, he's, like, not really interested, but he's, like, kind of, like, half listening. So Wendy turns the page and we see this beautiful artistry rendering picture of a young Wendy, probably about maybe 10 years old, 
And we see the same French doors. We see the night sky. We see the star. And he's like, see, that's me. I'm Wendy. And of course, Maggie's like, yeah, but Jack says you're not really the real, really real Wendy. <laughs> and she points to Jack. Well, you see where Jack is? You see that window there? That is the exact same place where we made up stories about Peter and Neverland and scary old Captain Hook. And she, I love how this kind of ties in with, you know, Jim Barry, who wrote Peter Pan. And she's like, well, so, you know, you know, Mr. Barry, well, Sir James, our neighbor, he liked our stories so much that he wrote them down in a book. 80 years ago, everybody, 80 years ago. If you ever Wikipedia Jim Barry and Peter Pan and just, I mean, watch Finding Neverland. It's such a good, heartwarming movie. But it's just, you read about Jim Barry and the three um, children of the single mother and just their outcome. It's, just, it's very sad and tragic. Very, very sad and tragic. So Peter, of course, comes in. He's dressed in a truck. Uh, excuse me. He's dressed in a tux. He's like, sorry, honey. I have to steal Granny Wendy or she'll be late for the most important event of her life. Oh, I like what Maggie did here. She's like, Daddy, I made you a hug. So that way when you fly, you won't be scared. And, of course, uh, Wendy turns to Peter. See, Peter, she's made you a parachute. And he's like, oh, that's clever, dear. And it's like, Jack, what are you doing? Get away from there. What have I told you about open windows? That, oh, my good golly. This guy is just, what is with him? I mean, I get it. It's a balcony and everything, but he's not even on the balcony. He's by the window. It's like, do we have open windows at home? And, of course, <laughs> Jack's like, no, they've all got bars on them. Where the hell do you live in America? So Jack, of course, is getting into bed, and he's, like, picking up his phone, like, where'd my baseball go? Maggie's like, that mean, scary man at the window stole it. Great. Well, there is a balcony there. Anybody could climb up it. Now, if my kid said there was a mean, scary man at the window, I'd be taking, like, serious, I would be asking questions. He's like, oh, honey, there's no scary man. And, of course, Maggie's like, he says he's a window washer. Oh, God. Pervert. A pervert lurking into that window. I would be having someone on guard. So, Wendy, of course, I guess she's never seen a baseball glove. Or maybe UK, they're different than the American. I don't know. She's like, what is this? And he's like, oh, it's, it's Jack's like, it's a baseball glove. He's like, oh, you can catch things with it. You know, take hot things out of the oven. Hit your sister. <laughs> Take hot. Th well, I guess you could use it as an oven mitt if you don't have another option. Peter is really being a dick here. And Maggie's like, Daddy, look. Toodles made this little paper flower. It smells nice. And he's like, it's paper, honey. It's like, what a jerk. I love how Mo Moira is dressed. She's got this really nice, like, sparkly cloth like shawl over her this wrap sh shawl wrap it's really pretty so now of course moira goes over to say goodnight to maggie kind of like they switch and now uh peter's going over to jack like hey jack and of course you know jack's like faking sleep like Ugh. i don't even want to 
be awake for this. I love Peter's like faker, and you see like Jack just kind of smirk like, yeah, you got me. Of course, he's like, all right, well, you're man of the house now, Jack, so you being in charge, you get to keep track of the time. Here's my, uh, my pocket watch. Did they not tell the kids that they would be going, like, they didn't prep them, like, oh, the night that we get there, we're going to be going out to an event. I mean, the, the kids knew about this event. They must have known that it was going to happen, but it's like, please don't go out. And I get Maggie's, you know, hesitation. It's like, there's a man that's pretending to be a window washer outside that window. I'm like, if I were her, like, I am not sleeping in this room. I will sleep in the bathroom. So, of course, as Wendy goes out, she says a prayer for the children. You know, that they're protected. Protect my sleeping babes throughout the night. So, this here isn't really that important. It's more Peter's giving a speech that was written by some guy he works with. He didn't even bother to write the speech himself. Like, you couldn't have added a little personability into it because she is, isn't, she was kind of like, eh, I, I don't know. I mean, we learn later, you, you know, you've seen the movie, that he is actually Peter Pan. And um, Wendy is the girl that he gave up Neverland for. So I don't know as far as the relationship there, but it's like you kind of like personalized it yourself. I know he probably wants to be professional with all these doctors and, you know, bigwig people that are here. I mean, excuse me. No, apparently a lot of the people that are there were once lost children. So they're all basically like orphans of some kind that Wendy helped get placements into foster homes or adopted or just, you know, running her own kind of orphanage, you know, foster care system, helping the kids through schooling, you know, maybe helping them go to college and, you know, kind of get their life on track and all that and make them feel loved and cared for. Of course, back in the house, Poor old Nana is just frantic with just bar, 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 barking. And we see inside the house, Toodles is barking himself. Something's going, there's something sinister going on here. And he, um, Toodles immediately knows, like, Hook is there. He senses his presence. As we see the camera pan over to this giant glass jug that's got a humongous, like, ship in a bottle. Now we cut upstairs to the kids' room, and we see that hook latch is opened. So I keep cutting back between the kids and what's going on with them. The French doors just burst open, and there's this, like, green, like, smoke pouring in. The kids are freaking out. I mean, oh my gosh, just that little mobile above Jack's bed and everything starts spinning, and it's just, that would be scaring me. I'd be running out of that room if I could, but more likely those kids are paralyzed with fear. They've never seen anything like this. They don't know what to make of it. There's to the point where they're bedding, like their their comforters just lift off of their beds, and the kids are screaming. So now we're cutting back to the event, and you see 
Wendy, like, has a feeling like something is not right. And she kind of faints for a minute. And like, are you okay? Are you okay? And she's, like, trying it off like, yeah, 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 I'm okay, I'm okay. So now we get back to the house. Of course, everyone, you know, Peter, Moira, and Wendy are there in the car. And Peter, of course, is sitting up front with the driver. And he's like, oh, um, is it Norman? Um, Nigel? Uh... And the guy's like, Neville. It's like, oh, yes, is that English? <laughs> Merry Christmas. He's just being rude. And when I think Neville, I think Neville Longbottom from Harry Potter. Right away, they start off the walk to the house, and something is definitely wrong. We see that the entryway, the door... The glass in the door is broken, of course, so they definitely think foul play, something's wrong. Of course, the power's out, so they don't really get the gist of it, but we see this long scrape in the wall going along the wall, and then, of course, they're like, where are the kids? Where are the kids? We need to find the kids. And they're heading up the stairs, and we see poor Liza just... She's like, the children! I tried to get to them, but they were screaming, the children! They go into the kid's room, and of course their comforters are back on the bed, and they're just like ripping them off, like, Maggie Jack, Maggie Jack, where are you? And their room is just destroyed. Pictures off the walls, just the room is just trashed. And you see that the balcony door is, the doors to the balcony are open. We do see a note to Peter on what looks like shredded parchment paper. It says, Dear Peter, your presence is required at the request of your children. Kindest personal regards, Jess Hook. Of course, we also see a sword that has basically stabbed the parchment paper into the door. Like, you can't miss this. Of course, Toodles knows what's going on. Now, he may be, have lost his marbles, quote-unquote, but this guy... He knows. This is not mere coincidence. This was something that was planned. So he looks directly at Peter like he knows Pe who Peter really is. But it's going to take a hot... It's going to take more than just Toodles, who Peter doesn't really... He doesn't really know Toodles that well. He doesn't really, like... He's already unsure of him because he, quote-unquote, lost his marbles. He's like... You have to fly, have to fight, have to crow, and have to save Maggie and have to save Jack. It's like, Hook is back. And of course, Peter doesn't know who Hook is. He doesn't know who he is. Like, nice try, Toodles, man. I know you see, you know Peter Pan inside of Peter Banning, but of course it's going to take more than just you to help unlock those memories that Peter has... Uh, you know, on lockdown. Something's got to trigger it. You just saying these things, these terms, these names is not going to be enough. All right, so we do have Phil Collins as the private investigator, inspector, I'm not sure the formal term in London, in the UK, I'm guessing in inspector. And he's just saying, we're going to put a guard outside your house. We are going to look for your children. Oh, Moira, Moira is just, she is just exhausted and just distraught and just, 
really a broken girl, a broken woman. And you see Liza, who's, you know, got a, a cold pack to the side of her head, she, you know, tissue. She's really upset. All, they all are. The only one that's, like, keeping his composure is Peter. So, of course, the inspector suggests this could just be a, this could just be a ridiculous prank. And, of course, Peter's like, my children are missing. Like, do you not get that? And the inspector says, yes, but the literary history of the family and everything suggests. He just kind of, well, let's hope it's just a ridiculous prank. Toodles comes in and it's like, oh, this is not the time, buddy. This is not the time. As he says, I've forgotten how to fly. And, of course, the inspector just kind of, like, looks Toodles over from top to bottom. It's like, well, I guess one does. And he's probably just thinking, like, cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. Now we're going to go into Wendy's room and Peter is there and just figuring, like, hey, the police. And, of course... Wendy's like, the police can do nothing. This is beyond their control because this is now an other worldly problem. This is like in a whole other realm. So Peter's like, well, maybe you should call the American police. You think they're going to jump on a plane and come to the UK where you're at and try to find your kids? I don't think so. Of course, I like how... Wendy's like, you know, in a crisis, we English always make a cup of tea. Moira, would you make a cup of tea? Basically, she wants Moira out of the room because she is going to drop a truth bomb with Peter. So you need to perk up your ears, sir, and listen to what she has to say. So I'm going to play this clip as she explains to Peter about his history to see how far back can you remember and he's recalling how, like, when I was a boy and you found me and, you know, helped me find my parents and everything. And she's like, no, what I'm talking about is you need to go even farther back. And he's like, I can't recall anything from that time. There's nothing. It's basically, he's saying any time before the age of, like, 12 is a blank slate for me. Well, you didn't pop into existence at age 12.
right now. Peter, what? The stories are true. I swear to you. I swear. And now he's come back to seek his revenge. The fight isn't over for Captain James. He, he wants you back. He knows you'll follow Maggie and Jack to the ends of the earth and beyond. And by heaven, you must find a way. Okay, guys, I do want to come on here real quick, um, kind of break up the movie for a second, and apologize. Um, if you guys have been listening to my reviews on, you know, TV shows and movies for the last year or so, you know just by listening that I tend to cough quite a bit, and I still am at it. Um, I'm on my second cough drop. It really doesn't really help a whole lot, but maybe a little. I'm just trying to cut down on that because I know that, I know, I mean, if that were me listening, I'd get annoyed, but I really wish there was something I could do. Just taking stuff for it is just not helping, but I just ask that you guys uh, bear with me and eventually one day, hopefully, I will be able to breathe without, you know, coughing every couple seconds. I also want to say I like, you know, because I watched this movie so many times as a kid. Of course, on VHS, you don't have the luxury of subtitles. Luckily, with the DVD, you do. And I'm picking up on things that, as a kid, would have I would have overlooked. It would have went over my head. But thankfully to the subtitles, because Granny Wendy here... Her voice, you know, I mean, I get it, she is old and everything like that, but her her voice and everything, you really gotta listen to this in the clip, what she's talking about with Peter and trying to see how far back he actually remembers. And for him, he only remembers to when he was about 12, 13, when Granny Wendy taught him how to write and read how she arranged for the adoption of his American parents. And she's trying to say, no, before that. I mean, you were 12, 13 at the time. Remember before that. And he is like, there's nothing before that. And it's like, you don't just pop into existence at 12 or 13 years old. But there's a reason, clearly, that he has blocked out all of this. And it has to do with the whole... In Neverland, you don't grow up. You stay physically and mentally the same age and size. When you get to, you know, the real world and everything, because we learned that he did leave Neverland, and eventually he did eventually start to age. That eventually his new memories and his new life 
kind of almost put down like like a veil like over his old life in Neverland and everything. As he got older, those memories kind of started to fade. And I think that even trying to tell him these things is not enough. Showing him a picture in a book, this is who you used to be. No, he has to physically be brought there. But anyway, I want to get back to what Wendy is saying, something that I never even heard of when I was a kid re um, watching the movie because, like I said, VHS tape did not have subtitles. We see the book that he grabs off the nightstand. It is a first edition, uh, Peter and Wendy by J.M. Barry. And she takes a book from him, and she's kind of flipping to the page that she wants to get to, and says, it's time to tell you at last. Peter sits down, looks at her confused, like, tell me what? And she asks him, how far back can you remember, Peter? So his American parents were Hank and Jane Banning, and that is all he remembers is she taught him how to read and write and arrange for the adoption and that is pretty much it and the way he says there was nothing before that and the way he looks at her is like almost kind of challenging like i don't know what you want from me there i don't remember and she's just looking like pleading with him like come on try please try and he's like he's like nothing so Wendy isn't acting like what Peter Banning remembers her as, you know, refers to, as, you know, calling her grandma, Granny Wendy. And the way that she sits up in bed and she takes the back of her hand and kind of strokes the side of his face lovingly, not the way a grandparent would do to a grandchild or an adopted grandchild or whatever. She says as she caresses the side of his face with the back of her hand, she says, no other girl held your favor the way I did. And I would be very concerned. And she keeps, like, running her finger, like, under his chin. Like, not so much lovingly, but caressing, like, a girl who is seeing the her first love again after so many years and trying to get him to remember she says, I have expected you to alight on the church and forbid my vows. So the day that came for her to marry her spouse, who she would have a child with, which would then later produce her grandchild, Moira, she was there still expecting Peter to show up. And like, no, Wendy, it's me, Peter. Marry me. She says, I wore a pink satin sash, but you didn't come. She is getting so close where she wants, she is like, in her eyes, she sees the Peter, she sees the boy who took her to Neverland. She sees, she still sees him there. And of course, Peter looks at her, breaking the spell, saying, grandma like it's like he's trying to like bring her out of this it almost feels like if you were to go this route and saying like oh wendy's 92 maybe she has the onset of like maybe dementia and she's thinking of her 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 lost first love and she's seeing that person in me 
clearly he's uncomfortable and he doesn't know, like, how to re- receive this. Like, how do I... She says, I was an old lady, a grandma, when I wrapped you in blankets with my 13-year-old granddaughter asleep in the bed, Moira. She tells him, when you saw my granddaughter, that was the day that you decided you were never going to return. Never going to return. You weren't going back to Neverland. And he just kind of looks at her like, excuse me, where? She's like, to Never Neverland. He immediately calls for Moira, like, Moira, I'm getting Moira. Maybe that tea's ready. So, she's like, I've tried to tell you so many times, I knew you'd forgotten. And, of course, Peter's like, I'm not ready to deal with this now. Like, whatever this is. And she looks like, Peter, the stories are true, I swear to you. I mean, she must know after this this begging and this pleading with him that nothing you say, regardless of Neverland, regardless of showing him a picture of a wild red-haired boy in, like, um, loincloth or whatever he was wearing, none of that is going to get through to him. He's blocked it out to the point where there is nothing, literally, that you can say to break through this wall that he's built up. I get why she's pleading with him because it's like, you have to understand that you were once this person. You need to believe in order for your kids to be, for you to get to your kids, you have to believe in this. And I'm not talking half believe. I mean 100% you need to believe that this is the person that you once were. Because she's like, James Hook has come back to seek his revenge. And she says the fight isn't over for James Hook. He wants you back, and he knows you'll follow Maggie and Jack to the end of the earth to and beyond. And by you know, she's like, you gotta find a way. It's like you must go back. You must make yourself remember. And I love the underscoring with this. It's so what's the word I'm looking for? Um I don't want to say so much revealing, but it's like, you know, it's showing you by just by the score, like it's leading to something, this big reveal for him. And he's like, remember what? She's like, you must make yourself remember. And he's just kind of looking at her just like, remember what? She's like, Peter, don't you know who you are? And the score is like some, um... Like, monk, like, the chance of, um, and you even, you know, heard it in the clip, just those, those, um, religious, like, you know, chants, oh, you know, I don't want to, like, uh, embarrass myself by trying to mimic that. I just saw this. I just noticed this just now. Go back, go back, go back, go back. I said it. Hold on. Okay, okay, okay. We see. The picture of a wild-haired Peter Pan. He's got his arms, elbows sticking out. He's got his hands on his hips. Cut to adult Peter. He also has his hands planted on his hips, elbows pointed outward, of course. And it's just like, immediately his hands go right to his hips. It's like, he doesn't know, but... Yeah. It's almost like, as soon as, like, he kind of gives her, like, an eye, like, okay, I get it. 
Well, no, he doesn't get it, but she's just like, come on, look at the picture. And as soon as he looks at the picture, his arms go, like, flat down to his sides again. And it's almost like she's she's looking at him and just like, yes, yes. Like, are you seeing this? Are you getting it? Is it finally coming through to you? Are you breaking down that mental wall? So, of course, what is Peter going to do? He's going to turn to the bottle. He's got some scotch or whiskey or whatever. He's like, I gotta, I gotta... His kids are gone. He's got his grandma, who seems like she's trying to hit on him with this whole, remember, you're Peter Pan. I was that Wendy. You loved me once, romantically. And it's just like, oh my gosh. So he goes out onto the balcony with his drink. And then we see, off in the distance, this little firefly light. This light is very, very bright as she comes in. And, of course, we know it's Tinkerbell. And she's just flitting around his head, around the room, knocking pictures off the wall. And, of course, Peter's like, it's a firefly from hell. It's like, dude, calm down. He's like, oh, it's a big damn bug. He's trying to hit it with a rolled up, I don't know what that's supposed rolled up newspaper. I don't know. So, of course, Tink takes that rolled up paper and starts hitting him with it. And he falls backwards into... Why they have this little doll crib, I'll never know. Neither of those kids are small enough to fit into it. Anyway, it's kind of put him in a kind of a compromising position where he can't really get out of it. Like, great. Because Tink sees Peter. She's like, oh, it is you. It is you. It is. It's a big you, but it's still you. Mind you, Tink has not seen Peter in a very, very long time. The last time she probably saw Peter, he was 12 or 13 years old. But at that point, he had left Neverland and he only had eyes for Moira. So, of course, Julia Roberts plays Tinkerbell. She's got the short haircut and she's got the wide smile and she's just so excited to see him. Of course, he doesn't know who she is. He doesn't remember. So, of course, he's like, my name is Peter Banning. And she's like, Pan. He's like, Banning. Pan! And she's like, well, whoever you are, it's still you. Because nobody on earth has that smell like you do. And he's like, what? And she lifts off and gets closer to him. And she says, the smell of someone who's ridden the back of the wind. She's like, the smell of a hundred fun summers of sleeping in trees. Ventures with Indians and pirates. Well, we call them Native Americans now, actually. So she, of course, is really recalling the times when it was just her and Peter together, no one else. It was basically them against the world. Peter, of course, feels like he's having a nervous breakdown. He's dying. And I'm going, I left my body. See, there's my house down there. I'm heading towards that white light. It's like, come on. So she reminds him, like, your kids, we need to go rescue your kids. And he's like, how do you know about my kids? And of course you like, well, everybody knows Captain Hook's got your kids and you've got to fight him. So basically now he's being pushed by not only Wendy. The hell was that? Oh, it's the dryer? Um, and, and now Tinkerbell is like kind of working from both both ends here. So she tries to throw some fairy dust in his face, which of course he sneezes. Sneezes so hard that she ends up in that dollhouse. And that's when she realizes, so it is true then. You did grow up. And she's just talking about, you know, when they were in Neverland together and how, you know, she drank poison for him. She's like, he used to call me Tink. And of course, 
Peter's like, oh, are you in there, little bug? And she's like, I'm not a bug, I'm a fairy. So, of course, he opens the front of the dollhouse, says to her, I do not believe in fairies. She's like, you know, Peter, whenever someone says that there's a fairy out there somewhere who falls down dead, he's like, I do not believe in fairies. And, of course, she pretends, and falls down the little uh, dollhouse stairs. And she, like, pretends that she's dead. And he goes to, uh, you know, touch her arm or something. And she, like, flails her arm upward. And it's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, of course, it's, like, the only way for him, for her to live, is for him, him to start clapping. Like, louder, Peter. <laughs> She's totally... Good golly. <laughs> she was hoping that by in, uh, getting him to clap to, like, quote-unquote, save her life... That she stands up, she's like, all right, who am I? And he's like, uh, uh. He basically chalks her up to your complex Freudian hallucination having something to do with my mother. And I don't know why you have wings, but you have very lovely legs. Like, what the hell? And you're a very nice, tiny person. Like, dude. He's like, I don't know who my mother was. I'm, I'm an orphan. I've never taken drugs. Like, what? What? Because I missed the 60s. I was an accountant. So she ends up flipping him on his back as she pulls the rug out from under his feet. And then she wraps him in that uh, sheet that uh, Maggie and Wendy were under telling stories and stuff like that. She wraps him up, takes him out, you know, sprinkles with the fairy dust. And she's like, I'm taking you to Neverland. She said the second start to the right and straight on till morning. Of course, Tink takes... Peter out the window, and there we go, I have Toodles just like, <sighs> big old grin on his face, like, I knew it, there we go. I was thought for a second, like, he was disappointed, like, I don't get to go back. How would that work for Toodles, then, too? Because eventually he would just stay the same age and size that he is, you know, on Earth. He wouldn't, like, revert back to his childhood self. Can you imagine if that happened? So Peter's in Neverland. He's still got that bed sheet on him. Of course, he wakes up thinking it's just a nightmare, and he's calling for Moira. And he starts ripping the sheet, and we, that's how we kind of get to see the first look at uh, Neverland. The Because uh, if you want to call it a town square, we got the famous crocodile with the clock in its mouth. Just there in the time scale. I guess it's keeping the time. So Peter's just kind of trying to get his bearings. And we see what looks like maybe a town drunk. Just with his head resting on a barrel. And Peter's like, excuse me, is there a payphone around here? And the guy just looks at him dazed like... Ugh. And Peter's just like, wow, that is so real. And you hear Tink like, Peter, get back here. Yeah, I don't think it's good for you to be walking around in your modern day 1991 clothes. And he still got on what he wore the night before to that uh, banquet ceremony for Granny Wendy. You know, the white shirt, the black bow tie, the vest... Not to mention he's wearing his, uh, I believe he says they're Armani shoes. And Tink is like, no, 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 you have to stay hidden because 
these people are not going to react to you in, in a positive way. Of course they won't. Yeah, Peter's definitely out of his element. What does someone say? If it ain't the mother inferior. So what is that like? Uh, because he's dressed in black and white. I'm surprised they didn't call him like a penguin. But what penguins are there in Neverland? I don't think there's penguins there. And of course, he just like, oh, gentlemen, I'm looking for someone. Uh-huh, yeah. Oh, boy. This is not going to go well. Yeah, it's a play on Mother Superior, Jeremy just told me. Because, like I said, he's dressed in black and white. Of course, this one guy is like, ooh, I fancy those shoes. And Peter's like, well, you know, I think you can get them at Armani. Immediately, they rush him. And Peter's like, take, help me. It's like, oh, crap. And not to mention, he keeps calling her the wrong name. I mean, he did call her Tink, but then he's like, bah, 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 bah. like saying like Tinker Ball, Tinker Bunt. Like, dude, oh man. So of course, Tink comes to the rescue, gets those guys off of them. Does he still have his shoes? I don't know. But she dresses him up with an eye patch, a pirate hat, and some garment that she just drapes over him, kind of like the less visible his clothes are and the less visible we see that he's an outsider like blend in that's key throw a hat on you an eye patch you're good to go no one will think you're not a pirate so yeah she's even giving him cues like pretend your left arm is dead lean a bit on that crutch that i gave you and tilt your head glare with your good eye and drool a bit and also goes like Arr! Oh, uh, the pirate's like, Arr! <laughs> and this guy's like, Hey, how are you doing? Oh, not bad. <laughs> of course, we see in the town square, Smee, who is Captain Hook's lackey, servant, whatever you want to call him, assistant, even, getting Captain Hook's hook nice and shined on that, uh, what do you call that wheel? Anyway, it's nice and shined. He's, it's placed on a, pil a plush pillow. Alright, now we're going to Captain Hook's ship. This ship is filled with people. So, of course, me is talking up Captain Hook. All these terms for... It's almost like... Smee's the presenter for the big act, which is Captain Hook, and just saying, he's so... F what's he say something? He's so quick. He's fast asleep. And everyone's just laughing and... <laughs> Oh, of course, he's like, oh, let's give him a very big hand, because he's only got one. <laughs> All right, we get our first look at Dustin Hoffman as Captain James Hook. And now that I'm older, now that I know I'm familiar with Dustin Hoffman, I can see Dustin Hoffman, you know, beyond the black wig, beyond the curly mustache, beyond the big old eyebrows. Uh, yeah. But he just plays bad so well in this movie. Apparently these guys all love to be insulted. I mean, it's Captain Hook, so it's okay. It's cool. So, of course, we see that Peter is among all these other shipgoers here. As Captain Hook reveals, we have his children. And we see... And Peter's like, oh no, Jack and Maggie... So, Hook, of course, is talking about how Captain... Captain... Bleh, my gosh, I'm sorry, guys. I just woke up, like, 30 minutes ago. Um, he's talking about his... How 
Peter, back in the day, cut his hand off, fed it to the crocodile. Hook took the crocodile, mounted him, put it, made him into a quiet clock, put him in the town square. And who went to the other world and grabbed Pan's children, or Peter's children? And they're all like, hook, hook, hook. And now, of course, he's like, and who didn't believe I could do it? So this is where we get Glenn Close dressed up like a man. I mean, nobody back in 1991 saw this. I was like, that's a lady. That's Glenn Close. And it's almost like, it's kind of, it feels like it's baiting you for the big reveal. Like, oh no, they see that Peter is not one of them. He's like, who doubted me? Who amongst us does not belong? Someone here does not belong. He's like, a stranger amongst loyal, I will weed you out. By the way, he points to the crowd. He's like, you and every one of them hand to their, like, oh, oh, me, me, me. <laughs> so, of course, Captain Hook starts to go down the steps, puts his foot down, and he looks at us like, Smee, seriously, like, where's the red carpet? Of course, Smee just, like, smacks his foot. And out rolls the red carpet on the stairs. So, of course, we have Glenn Close with a beard and Peter. And they're both, as Captain Hook's like, you, you. And, and they're, they're both pointing at you know, themselves like, me, you, you, you. <laughs> but no, not Peter. Glenn Close with a beard. Like, yeah, you're the one that bet against me. And of course, he's like, no, I didn't. And it's like, no, 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 tell the truth. And then he just starts crying. Like, I did, I did. And it's like, oh, you gotta go in the boo box now? Like, no, 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 not the boo box. This scared the crap out of me at nine, ten years old. It, the, just the idea, like, you're being shoved into a box and then you're being fed scorpions. It's like, oh my god. So now, of course... We see the net coming out of the belly of the ship. It's Jack and Maggie that are in this net. And they're just screaming like, let me go. I want my mommy. I want my daddy. And Captain Hook, of course, is looking at them like, hello, children. Comfy, cozy. And of course, right away, Peter breaks. Like, those are my kids! And he starts, like, ripping off the hat, the eye patch, the disguise. And it's like, those are my kids! And it's like, no, no, no. You're supposed to be incognito. This wasn't part of the plan. He runs over to them. And it's like, are you okay? Are you okay? Everything's gonna be alright. And you see this bewildered look on, Cap on uh, Captain Hook's face, like, the fuck? No, this is not Peter Pan. Who the hell is this guy? Of course, Peter is dragged away from his kids, and it's just, it's sad. So I want to play this introduction between Peter and Hook, and the guy, Hook cannot believe, those are your children. And he's like, yes, my, my children, yes, those are my kids. It's like, your Peter? Your Peter. Like, he can't fathom the idea that Peter Pan grew up and became this mush of a man that we see before him. Daddy's here. Mr. Hook, I want those kids out of that net in less than one minute, or you better get an attorney and hope to God he's better than me. Who are you? I'm Peter Pan, the attorney at law. Those are my children, and I want them back. Please. Those are your children. These are your children. Yes, they are. And your Peter? Your Peter? Yes. Your Peter? Yes. No. Yes. Your Peter? Yes. Is there an echo in here? 
Yes, My I... My great and worthy opponent? Yes. No! Speak! Oh, Who is this imposter? Peter <laughs> Flocking <laughs> Flying Pain! <laughs> What does Peter do best? He threatens with the lawyer. It's like, dude, you are not even on Earth right now. The, your words mean nothing to these people. It's like, Hook, I want those kids, or you better get an attorney that's better than me. Like, what? Seriously? It's like, those are your kids? He's like, yes. Th- those kids, those are yours? I was like, yes, those are my kids. Like, really? Is there, like, an echo in here? What's going on? Just, of course. I mean, he expects Peter Pan to be 12 years old and a slim fit kid with pointy ears and, you know, all he sees is this grown man with glasses and it's who's like 35 years old. Like, who? What? What is this? Is this a joke? So, Captain Hook cannot believe it. Like, Smee, what? Who is this guy? Smee comes down, he's got... Peter's dental records, medical records, uh, probably adoption papers, like, all that stuff. And it's like, look at this. No, as clear as day on this paper, it says it's Peter Pan. You know, I got the dental records, and of course, oh, check out his stomach. He's got a scar from where you slashed him during that whole Tiger Lily incident. So we do get a mention of the whole incident with Tiger Lily. And, of course, Peter's like, well, no, that's the scar from when I got my appendix out. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever you need to believe. And Hook just really looks at Peter, like, really, really looks at him. It's like, you're not even a shadow of Peter Pan. Of course, Peter's like, look, I want my children. And Hook is like, well, I want my war. He's, I want revenge, you know, because Peter cut his hand off. He, of course, he's going to want revenge. Of course, Jack is like, blow him out of the water, Dad. And of course, Peter's like, Daddy's handling this. It's okay. So, it's like, all right, pull out your weapon. What does Peter pull out? He pulls out his checkbook. How much you want? Because apparently, money solves everything. Well, it doesn't mean squat here in Neverland. Because Hook just takes his little pistol and blows... Peter's checkbook right out of his hand. Like, well, that really didn't work. So Hook's like, all right, here, I'll cut you a deal. You fly up there and touch 
the outstretched fingers of your frightened children, and I will set them free. Peter's all, I can't fly. It's like, oh, come off. Come off it. You can. You're just being modest. And I just, I feel bad for the kids. It's like, they just, they don't want any part of this. Like, Daddy, come and help us. Free us, please. And of course, we all know his issues with flying in a plane. And he even kind of whispers to Hook, like, I have a real problem with heights. And, P- and, and Hook just looks at Peter like, oh, you must be joking. Hey, get this, everybody. Peter Pan has a real problem with heights. And everybody on that ship just busts a gut laughing. Like, oh, oh my, oh, really? <laughs> this guy? <laughs> so Peter's like, all right, hold on, kids. I'm coming, I'm coming to get you. So he climbs up this rope ladder. Of course, we get the, can somebody give me a hand? And oh, you know, Captain Hook. I already have. Yup. <laughs> See this hook? Yeah. <laughs> That's all you, guy. Everyone's like, come on, Peter, fly. Even Captain Hook is like, come on, stop the charade. Just fly. I mean, what is this? You're climbing up a ship mast? Everyone's just putting so much pressure on this guy. You know that he doesn't know who he is. And even Tink's like, be the band you are. Fly. Come on, guys. He just got to Neverland. It's not going to magically just hit him. So, Peter is on the ship mast up top. And you see Jack and Maggie in that net. And they're stretching their arms out. Their little arms as far as they can. And Maggie's like, just touch our hands, Daddy. And we can go home. And he is just clinging to this ship mask for his he is clearly trying to face his fear here but and he's stretching it and it's like he's so scared that he's going to drop because i don't know how many feet above the ship that he is but just that fear overtakes him to the point where he's practically paralyzed and we just get kind of a overview shot of him Trying to reach for his kids and Jack and Maggie are putting their hand out. And I swear there's like maybe two feet of space between them. Their outstretched hands. And Maggie's like, come on, daddy, mommy could do it. And she's like, oh. He gets maybe like a foot away from their outstretched hands. And he just, he can't. So Captain Hook, of course, is like, Smee, I don't get it. He's Peter Pan. Why can't he fly? And Smee explains to all of us. Well, he is. He's just been away from Neverland for so long, his mind's been junctified. He's forgotten everything. This is just so sad. You know, his children just looking at him, and Jack's like, please don't give up. And you just see Peter just clinging to that outstretched uh, mast pole, and he just, just... Your heart breaks for them all. And it's almost like, here's another example of our father letting us down. And Jack, the brave little soldier that he is, is just out, hand outstretched like, Dad, come on. I want to go home. Peter isn't even attempting. He is like clinging to that post like it's a life preserver. He's not even attempting a, a, a third attempt. So Captain Hook, of course, announces that he's going to cancel the war. 
and just decides, like, kill him. Kill them all. I don't care. And, of course, we have Peter being dragged by a rope. Like, oh, well, he can't fly, but he sure can swim. Like, let's put him on the plank. Alright, it's time now for Tink to intervene. It's like, Tink, where you been, honey? And she gets right in Hook's mind. It's like, she really, like, hey, what about the name Hook? Is that how you want to be remembered? Do you want to be remembered as a bully or as a great warrior who defeated a heroic Pan? And, of course, he's like, that there? That is not Pan. So she makes a wager with Hook, like, hey, give me a week. I'll get him in shape, and you can have your dirty old war. So she's like, look, everyone's been wanting this war. So have you. It's You built your whole life around this, basically. You know, Mortal Kombat, Glory, Hook versus Pan. And, of course, he's like, uh, that there, that is not Pan. That is a 35-year-old man who has a fear of heights. <laughs> so instead of a week... He's like, all right, two days. And she's like, no, four days. Bare minimum for decent pan. I mean, you clearly see what we I have to work with here. So he's like, no, you get three days. He's like, oh, you gotta be joking. That is, oh, man. Well, she is gonna have to really kick it into high gear. So he threatens her, like, uh, and you, Miss, Miss Bell, you better deliver. Or no amount of clapping will bring you back from where I will send you. Alright, looks like we're going to have a war in three days. Oh boy. And that makes everyone happy. Like, hey, it's something to look forward to since what else are they going to do there in Neverland, right? So it's a battle of good and evil to the death. And of course, this one dude is so excited. Forgets that Peter is on the plank and just like, yeah! And this knocks Peter backwards, who of course has been tied up so he can't move his arms. And now he's in the water. Alright, so we got the mermaids that are going to help breathe air into him so he doesn't die underwater. And now we're going to get to Neverland. Yay, Neverland. We are in Neverland. (laughs) No, we're going to get to the Lost Boys Village. So Peter doesn't know what to make of these kids. He's like, where are the parents? What is this, some Lord of the Flies preschool? Of course, when I saw this, I had, I don't think I even had a, had a reference for Lord of the Flies. I'd never seen the movie, never read the book. Because by this time, that one version with Balthazar Getty had come out. It's like, where are your parents? Who's in charge here? Everybody points to Rufio. I love how Rufio just bows to Peter. Like, <laughs> yeah. And Peter's like, no, no. Calls him Mr. Skunkhead with too much moose. <laughs> it's like, you are just a punk kid. He turns around and like, I want to speak to a grown-up. And he's like, look. Dude, all grown-ups are pirates. I love Rufio's like he just just like can't believe this guy he's like we kill pirates. So Peter's like I'm not a pirate. It just so happens I'm a lawyer. And Rufio's like kill the lawyer. Like dude, at the end of the day, you're still an adult and you're the enemy to these kids. Oh, the kids all are chasing Peter throughout the uh, the uh, Lost Boys hideout and it's just like and they 
ended up chasing him into what looks like half a skate park, half a basketball court. Because the kids are, like, bringing in this homemade basketball, and they're throwing it at Peter, like, come on, play, come on, play. And you see Tink just, like, yelling at the Lost, Bo- the lost Boys to stop, just stop it. He, like, what is wrong with you? So, yeah, Tink is telling the kids who finally stopped acting rambunctious and she's like look he can't do those things he can't even play simple games she's like look hook has got his kids i've got three days to turn him into peter pan excuse me um and the lost boys are like what peter pan's got kids she's like look i'm gonna need all your guys's help so rufio of course is not having it he draws a line with a sword down the middle of the floor and says, Hey, any one of you that thinks that this guy is not Peter Pan, and all the kids cross over, even Peter goes to Rufio's side of the line until Tink like grabs him like, You are embarrassing me. Get back over there. Can't fly bite or crow so if any of you said this here skunk ain't peter pan cross the line look at peter like going over there hi what do it back <laughs> what you are embarrassing me Well, everyone but that kid. Like he's searching for Peter Pan in Peter's face. <laughs> oh, there you are, Peter. All the kids cross the line over to Peter.
Are you gonna follow this drooler against Capitan Hook? What's he doing here if he's not beefing, huh? He don't look happy here. And who them kids Hook's got? Give him a chance! Those are my kids. And Hook is gonna kill them unless we do something. Help me. Please? Yeah, come on, give him a chance! Yes, listen to Tink. So pretty much as you heard in the clip, all the kids, except for one, go over to Rufio's side. And I like it how the kid is, like, pulling Peter down, like, so he can look at him on his level. The first thing he does, takes off Peter's glasses. And then, of course, we see Peter's got, you know, worry lines on the forehead, and the kid's kind of, like, pushing the worry lines away. And just the wrinkles and all that. And he takes Peter's face. You know how sometimes, you know, kids will like stick their fingers on either side of their mouth to stretch it out? Well, no, actually what the kid is doing, he's taking Peter's cheeks and like pushing them so it's like he's smiling. And um, and the kid is like, his eyes light up like, oh, there you are, Peter. And the kid's a good chunk of them race right over to Peter's side. And of course, you know that Rufio doesn't want this. He doesn't want someone to come in and take, you know, Peter Pan's sword. Because Peter Pan, when he left, he left Rufio in charge. Of course, Rufio doesn't want, you know, that power to be taken away from him. Because he's been watching the kids this whole time while Peter's been off you know, living his life in America and getting married, having kids and growing up, which that's the rule of, you know, Neverland. You, you know, for the Lost Boys, you never grow up. And even the kids are like, Peter, what happened to you? You got old. You grew up. You said you'd never get old. And like I said before, I thank the goodness, thank you, for the subtitles because it's picking up things because this boy who in um the hey do you remember podcast covered hook amazing review check it out but they referred to this young boy as baby david allen greer and i'm like yeah it does kind of look like him <laughs> we have thud button a few others that keep going back and forth unsure they keep going back to peter and then they keep going back to rufio when rufio's making a statement about like yeah, don't listen to Tink and this little boy. Like, who are they to really... You're believing them over me. No, I mean, I don't know what this boy, young boy's name is. He's a heck of an actor. I really like this. He does a great job here. He really shines. And he's like, well, what's he doing here if he's not Peter Pan, huh? And if that's the case, then who are these kids that Hook has got? It's like he's pretty much shooting down everything that Rufio... It's like he's like, Rufio, seriously, think about it. Logically. I know we're in Neverland and logic pretty much goes out the window. But still, think about it. Who is this grown man? Why is he here? The only grown-ups we know are pirates, and he's not one. And why does Hook got a couple kids that we've never seen before? Yeah. And Peter, at this point, he stands up and he's like, look, Hook's got my kids, and he's going to kill them if we don't do something. Please, help me. 
He's just, he's pleading with them. Like, I, I, I need your help. I love Tink, who's like, come on, give him a chance. <laughs> so we go to Captain Hook's place, you know, on the ship. And it's just like, the food is just like, wow. And you can only imagine how, I mean, what about Pan's kids? What are they eating? Probably the leftovers of whatever Hook doesn't eat. Because Smee, of course, is fixing Hook a plate while... Hook's all like, gosh, I can't believe i got to wait three days. And it doesn't even matter. In three days, it could be three years and he'd still be a fat old Peter Pan. It's like, no, no, no. Oh my goodness gracious. So this is going to be Hook's suicide attempt. He's... <sighs> and a kid's... Well, I wouldn't... Would you call that... Refer to this as a kid's movie? I mean, in the 90s... I think us kids back in the day were made of stronger stuff. Um... We weren't living in a PC world like we are now. And it's just... We could handle... I mean, this is... I mean, it's PG. It's a family film. But I think even then, we kind of overlooked the seriousness of, oh, he's going to, you know, commit suicide. So, Smee is pretty much not just a friend to Captain Hook. He's not just his associate. He's also a therapist. And he's, you know, talked to Captain Hook out of committing suicide but he also has a brilliant idea about pan's kids basically we're going to brainwash them to love you but yes i mean it's like it's the ultimate revenge pan's kids in love with hook you're basically going to turn them over to your side captain hook's down with this plan like oh yeah i like that idea <laughs> So now we're going to get back to the Lost Boys, the Lost Boys Village where they are training Peter. He's got to be physically trained, mentally trained. He's got to find his inner Peter Pan self. So it's pretty much a little montage of him just running and working out, getting him physically fit and ready to go. So Rufio's like, all right, let's fight. Let's do this. Let's see what you got. He is nowhere near ready to hold a sword. You can just see him just struggling. It's like, no, he's not ready. And Tink's all like, Peter, Rufio's trying to help. Listen, learn from the... You know that, that Rufio has got a grudge. He's not... This is not a training session for him. This is like, I'm going to kick his ass and teach him a lesson. About not to mess with Rufio. Oh my god! <laughs> Rufio just cut uh, Peter's pants off and he's in his boxer shorts. He's still wearing that white shirt that he came to Neverland in. He still, it's like, man. Right, so now apparently sword fighting didn't work, so they're gonna m ne uh, move to flying. And you see Thudbutt with a slingshot. Like, alright, this is what. And of course, I. See how they shaved Robin Williams down because he's very hairy. Uh, or was very hairy. Um, he is like smooth chested 100%. Oh, they like really sh like shaved him to the point of he is like just naked chest all the way down. Naked arms all the way down. And the kids are all like putting like paint on him. So, of course, in order to fly, it's always like, happy thoughts. Think happy thoughts. Kids are like, they got um, all different signs. 
with happy thoughts. Bugs, horsies, candy, tink, happy thoughts. Oh, thank you, happy. Gotcha, gotcha. Because, you know, they're kids. They haven't been to school. So they're going with uh, what they have as far as how to spell words. Birthday. Gum. Tink's like, you only need one happy thought, Peter. One happy thought will make you fly. Peter's like, I got it. <laughs> Not being in the slingshot would make me very happy. And uh, that's when they release. And what in the world do they got on him? They got like a red sun with eyes over his nipples, a nose, and a smiley face on his tum-tum. Wow. What is this tie-dye colored muck pond that he ends up falling into? Like, he's going up, he's going up. Oh, no, he's coming down, he's coming down. Ah! <laughs> Alright, now we're going back to Captain Hook's ship where he's, like, doing a school lesson with the children. Lesson number one, why parents hate their children. It's all about brainwashing them. I love how defiant Maggie is. Jack, on the other hand, we learn that he can easily be manipulated. Maggie, of course, is very defiant. She's Because she's like, hey, Jack, doesn't mommy read to us every night? And, of course, Captain Hook's like, ah, da, da, da. Young lady, why don't you share your thoughts with the entire class? And she's like, yes. I said mommy reads to us every night because she loves us. Basically, like, oh, okay. Um, that's the opposite of what we want to do here. He's like, oh, no, child, no. I think your mother reads you every night in order to stupefy you to sleep. S- say stupefy in front of an eight-year-old and see if they know what that means. It's pretty much saying the only reason your parent, your mother reads you is so that way you'll stop nagging her about, I want, I want, I want. And yes, she reads you to shut you up. Point blank. So Maggie's like, no, Jack, that's not true. And she looks at Hook, she's like, you're a liar. And he's like, what, me, liar? <laughs> yeah, clearly um, Smee's like, well, we got to get this one out of here because she is not going to be... She's not going to be manipulated. I think we need to work on Jack. He's clearly the one that can easily be uh, brainwashed. He's all like getting in her face like Maggie. Before you were born, they were happier, your parents. They were free. And Maggie's like, you're a bad man. So, (laughs) So, uh, Hook's like, Smee flunked the maggot. And Maggie's, he, he, Smee writes down a big old fat F, and she's like, what, an F? You gave me an F! What the? So he knows exactly how to get to Jack. As he says, your father went to your sister's school play, did he not? But did he ever go to one of your baseball games? So he's going to play Jack against his sister. And Jack's just looking up at Hook, like, how did you know? And Hook's like, yeah, he missed the most of what would have been the most important game on the most important day of your young life. And Maggie's had enough. She grabs Captain Hook's hook. So she's like, I want to tear your hook off. I hate you, Mr. Hook. And of course, Hook is laughing like, it's me, what I tell you? No children, no, no little children love me. <laughs> So, Smee, of course, takes Maggie away, but not before she shouts to Jack, Jack, you listen to me. Never let him make you forget that Mommy and Daddy love us. Run home, Jack, run home. And you just see Jack like, run home? 
Oh, she said, Neverland makes you forget. Never forget mommy and daddy. Oh, of course. Captain Hook gets right in Jack's face with that hook. He's like, Jack. And he turns him to face him and says, You are home. So Peter is walking like he's just been, he's in so much pain. Like he exercised like the whole day and he is like, his muscles are about to give out on him. But he just smells, clearly it's dinner time and he smells all the good smells that food can bring. The only thing is, where the hell's the food? He smells it, but he doesn't see it. The thing is, for this food to absorb and take in this food, you have to have an imagination. You don't have an imagination, you're going to starve. Peter sits down at the bench with the other kids. He immediately goes for the silverware, and the kid across from him is like, Hey, look, no, we don't use those. And Peter's like, Well, then why do you have them? And the kid's like, well, we have them, so we don't have to use them. Logic, like I said, goes out the window in Neverland. Of course we have prayer in Neverland. Well, if you want to call it a prayer, everyone steeples their hands and says, let's say grace. As Rufio leads them. And of course we hear Peter say, bless the Lord for... And the kids are all like, grace! And immediately they start ripping lids off of pots. Let's see what the kids got to eat. Yams, mammy apples, and banana squash. I don't know what calabash and popo, but apparently they're the beverages of choice in the Lost Boys world. You gotta imagine Peter's starving at this point and just watching these kids imitating, like, eating food. Like, miming eating food. And it's like, what the hell? And Ting's like, Peter, eat up. And he's like, what? Eat what? Gandhi ate more than this. So he's like, what's the deal? Where's the real food? And she's like, look, Peter, if you can't imagine yourself being Peter Pan, you won't be him, so eat up. And he's like, eat what? There's nothing here. Gandhi ate more than this. And uh, Ting's like, don't you remember, Peter? This used to be your favorite game. He's like, fuck the game. I want to eat. He's like, I want steak, eggs, coffee. Oh, here we go with the insult game. And Rubio's like, you can't eat your heart out, you crinkled, wrinkled fat bag. Of course! Oh my god, this is the worst insult for P- Peter. He's clearly, um, yeah. Never insulted. Like, you're a very ill-mannered. And Rubio's like, you're a slugging and eating worm. And Tink's like, come on, Peter. You can do better than that. And Peter's like, you're encouraging them? Some of the stuff that Rufio comes up with, it's like, Show you, sh- show me your fastball dust bag, you paunchy sag bottom puke pot. The kids are all like, bang, ring, Rufio, like, yes, Rufio. Oh, God, here we go. You are a very poor role model for these kids. Do you know that? And everyone's like, like, try again. I gotta play this game. It's just so funny. <laughs> he's like, I bet you don't have a fourth grade reading level. He's like, hemorrhoidal suck navel. And he's like, maybe a fifth grade reading level. Again. <laughs> no. This is hilarious. Get your heart out, you prinkled, wrinkled, fat head. You're a very ill-mannered young man. You're you know a slugging worm. Come on, you can do better than that. can't believe you're encouraging me. Yeah, 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 show me your fastball dust brain, you paunchy sag bottom. You are a very poor role model for these kids. You know that? I bet you don't even have a fourth grade reading level. Hemorrhoidal suck navel. Well, maybe a fifth grade reading level. 
oil dripping, beef fart sniffing, bubble butt. Someone has a severe caca mouth. Do you know that? You are a fart factory. Slug slime, sack of rat guts and cat vomit. Cheesy scab picked pimple squeezing finger bandage. A week old maggot burger with everything on it and flies on the side. Substitute chemistry teacher. Come on, review hit a math. Mung tongue. Math tutor. Pinhead. Prison barber. Mother lover. Nearsighted gynecologist. Ew. In your face, camel cake. In your rear, cow derriere. Lion crying, spying, prying, ultra pig. You loot crude, rude, bag of pre chewed food, dude. Bag of red cleaner! <laughs> <laughs> man! Stupid, stupid man! Rufio, if I'm a maggot burger, why don't you just eat me? You two toned, zebra headed, slime coated, temple farming, paramecium bread, munching on your own mucus, suffering from Peter Pan envy. What's a paramecium brain? I'll tell you what a paramecium is. That's a paramecium. It's a one-cell critter with no brain that can't fly. Don't mess with me, man. I'm a lawyer. Wow. Oh my. Some of these are just so nasty. Boil dripping, beef fart sniffing, bubble butt. A fart factory. Okay, how many of us used that in the 90s? I don't know. Slug slime sack of rat guts and cat vomit. Ugh. Cheesy scab picked pimple squeezing finger. Ba- so gross. Well, these are some of what Peter's throwing back at Rufio. Substitute, substitute chemistry teacher. It's like math tutor and Rufio's like pinhead and Peter's like prison barber and Rufio's like mother lover like what it's probably about as close as you could get to MF nearsighted gynecologist ho ho I know as a kid in 1992 91 whatever no way in hell did I know what a gynecologist was at that age <laughs> I like Peter's here. He's like, you lewd, crude, rude, baggage, pre-chewed food, dude. <laughs> Try to say that five times fast. Of course, the kids are like, bang ring, Peter. And of course, Rufio's got nothing. Like, you man, you stupid, stupid man. I like, <laughs> Peter's really getting into it now. He's like, if I'm a maggot burger, why don't you just eat me? That was a slang term. I swear that was like a slang term in either the 80s or the 90s where people were like, eat me, bite me, that kind of stuff. Oh, this is so good. He's like, you two-toned, zebra-headed, slime-coated, pimple-farming, paramecium-brain, munching on your own mucus, suffering from Peter Pan envy. Bam! Of course, these kids have no idea what a paramecium-brain is. I didn't know either. He's like, that's a paramecium, as he points at Rufio. It's a one-celled critter with no brain that can't fly. It's like, don't mess with me, man. I'm a lawyer. Of course, all the kids are chanting, banning, banning, banning. And of course, Peter really gets into it. He takes his spoon 
and he's got some, we don't see it at first. He's like, hey, Rufio, why don't you go suck on a dead dog's nose? And, of course, he, like, flings the spoon forward, and, of course, we see Rufio's face is covered in, like, Nickelodeon gack goop. And everyone's like, oh, wow, you're doing it, Peter. And Peter's like, doing what? And they're you're using your imagination. And immediately we see all the food that's laid out on the table. And he's like, oh, I mean, yummy. A lot of pies and like Nickelodeon, like, well, actually, now that I think about it, it definitely looks like whipped cream, like colored whipped cream pies. There's a roast chicken. There's, you know, biscuits and rolls. There's just everything. It's just, oh, it looks so good. Popo is like a drink or something because the, the kid's like, here, Peter, drink your popo. Like, how is it? And Peter's like, bangering. <laughs> Kids are going to start a food fight. Boo! I mean, that's the ultimate thing you do when you have an imagination. I mean, yeah, we're all going to throw food at each other. So Rufio's still butt hurt. He flings a coconut at Peter, which takes forever to get there. Someone throws Peter a sword and he slices it right in half. Alright, so remember the whole thing in the beginning where Toodle's like looking for his marbles? Like, I've lost my marbles. Uh huh. Well, Thudbutt and Peter have a little talk here. Well, Thudbutt remembers Toodles. So Peter's like, Well, how could you know Toodles? And Thud's like, Well, he was a lost boy. So he hands Peter the bag of marbles and he's like, These are his happy thoughts. Of course, Peter, like, pours out the marbles in his palm. He's like, he really did lose his marbles. And Thud's like, yeah, oh, yeah, he lost them good. So we're talking about happy thoughts here. As Thud's like, you know, Peter, my happy thought will help you. And, he, and Peter's like, okay, Thud, what's your happy thought? And he's like, mine's my mother. Do you remember your mother, Peter? I like this moment between, you know, thud and peter it's really sweet he kind of connects with him a little bit which kind of makes the ending of the movie make sense and peter of course is like wow i wish i could so we hear some singing and it's nighttime and maggie of course is on the deck of the ship and she's singing like a song that probably her mother would sing to her so Jack comes out because he hears Maggie singing. And, of course, he's got, like, a junior version of Captain Hook's hat. And Jack's like, my mom sang that song. So, at least he hasn't forgotten his mother. So, Smee right away is like, okay, I gotta get Jack out of here. And he's like, tell me again about baseball. Are the men standing? Are they on horseback? And he kind of, like, leads them away. It looks like it's the next day. And, of course... Hook's got an issue with the ticking clock. And he hears the ticking of a clock. And he's just, his eyes are open like, where's that coming from? Turns out the watch, the pocket watch that Peter gave to Jack before they left for that ceremony event thing. He's got that in Neverland. And of course, that is actually working. So it's almost like a trigger for Hook because that crocodile took his hand and everything so <coughs> pretty much hook and smash smash every single clock that they find so now they're gonna take jack to this museum of clocks and they're kind of 
they're going to kind of mess with his mind. They've already been messing with his mind, but they need to get this kid on the I hate Peter, I hate my father bandwagon even further. But yeah, all these clocks don't run anymore. And Captain Hook's going to have Jack kind of work through his I hate my dad scenario. Like, he's given, like, all the ways your father's disappointed. You take this mallet and just beat the hell out of all these clocks. So, Captain Hook is, uh, before we get to the, uh, clock bashing session here, Captain Hook is talking about some cat, uh, some pirate named Barbecue that he stole his clock. He gutted him. Of course, they're laughing about it and how his ship made a great bonfire. It's like, oh my god. So he bashes his father's pocket watch for the fact that he never let Jack blow bubbles in his chocolate milk. You know, for never letting me jump on my own bed. And he sp- smashes a, um, a tall standing clock. And he smashes another clock. And he's like, for always making promises and breaking them. And the next one he says, this is for never doing anything with me. And Hook, of course, is really... It's not taking much to to push Jack over the edge. But he's like also throwing in, like, for a father that... For a father who's never there, for a father who couldn't save you on the ship. And that's where Jack just starts to break down. He's like, I mean, he was there and we were there. I mean, he... And Jack's like, he wouldn't save us. And of course, Captain Hook's like, he couldn't... Who couldn't save you? And Charlie... I just called him Charlie. Uh, Jack's like, he wouldn't. He didn't even try. I mean, he was there when we were there. Of course, more manipulation as he's like... Jack, he will try. But the question is, when the time comes, do you want to be saved? Captain Hook is just really trying to get him forget, like, just, you don't want to go home. It's a place of broken promises. Of course, the baseball that he'd been looking for. He's like, have I ever made a promise, Jack, that I haven't kept? That I have not kept, huh? Looks like they're going to have a Neverland version of baseball. It's all based on, you know, Jack's rules because he's the one who knows the game of baseball. And now we have a situation where the Lost Boys and Peter have planned to steal Captain Hook's hook. And it's right there on a pillow. Because, of course, Captain Hook wanted a baseball glove to show support for Jack. Peter reaches up, about to grab the hook, and, of course, who steps up to the plate but Jack? So Jack's even got an entire cheering section. (laughs) Someone, I guess, is trying to steal second. Someone ends up shooting him. Captain Hook's like, no, 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 no! We play according to Master Jack's rules. And I'm pretty sure none of them say... Shoot somebody that's stealing second. We don't need to be shooting people that are stealing bases. That's not how baseball works. We even have some pirates that are holding up the words, Run Home Jack. And Captain Hook's like, No, turn around. You got it wrong. It's Home Run Jack. Because Jack sees Run Home. And he's like, Run Home? And, of course, Captain Hook sees it like, oh, no, 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 switch it around. So, at least Jack knows. He must have been to at least one of his son's games. Knows Jack's weakness is the curveball. 
holy fuck does he belt the hell out of that ball and it just goes skyward you don't even see it it's gone yeah it's a home run he got it and peter is just so happy of course you hear captain Hook say that's my jack and of course peter's like wait a minute no that's my jack he's my son he just sees Jack being lifted up on Captain Hook's shoulders, and that's just it for him. It's like, ugh, forget it. I'm not taking the hook. So now Peter is determined more than ever. It's like, I gotta fly. I gotta find my happy thought. Of course, Jack's ball ends up hit landing in the Lost Boys area. Hits him on the head, and of course, he looks into the pond, but... He doesn't see his reflection looking back at him. Or does he? He sees his 12-year-old Peter Pan self looking back at him. And Peter's like kind of touching his face and everything. And his mirror 12-year-old self image is also touching his own face. He tosses Jack's ball in the air, looks around, and sees his shadow on the wall there. The shadow is like pointing for him to go to this tree and... He finds the old hideout. He sees the names carved into the hideout. It says Wendy, Toodles, John, Michael, and Peter. Pushes in on the knot of wood. It opens and reveals the hideout. So Tink is already down there, but she's not wearing her regular Tinkerbell outfit. She's wearing this beautiful light blue dress. And we all know, guys, we all know that Tink has a very special spot in her heart for Peter. So, of course, you know that she was very jealous when Wendy came along. You can only imagine how she felt when Peter decided to stay in America and not go back to Neverland because he fell in love with Moira. So, Hook, Hook, Peter's looking around, and he's like, what happened here? Like, where is everything? Because slowly but surely, memories are starting to come back. And Tink says, well, Hook burnt the hideout when you didn't come back. So he finds the thimble, and he's holding it on his finger, and he's like, kiss. That's right. This is Wendy's house. Noodles and, he says, noodles and nibs built it for her. Now, slowly but surely, memories of... His Peter Pan days are coming back to him. So he's like, yeah, Wendy used to sit in that chair, but it was actually over there. And we used to sit here while she'd tell us stories while she was making us socks. Yeah, he's pointing out spots in the hideout where everything used to be. Like, Tink, that was your apartment there. There's a little basket bed where Michael used to sleep. It's like, John was, and then he finds a teddy bear. Actually, he says, Taddy, my Taddy. His bear from one. He remembers even farther back to when Tink found him when he was a baby. He remember. He's like, I remember my mother. And if you guys are fans of the OC, you know that uh, Kelly Rowan plays Kirsten Cohen. She played Peter's mother. So we see his mother dressed very immaculately for the time. And of course she's planning out his future. Peter looks to be, I'd say maybe six months old. Maybe three months old. I'm not sure, but he's like, first he will attend Whitehall, then Oxford. 
that's not very far off from what he ended up. I mean, she's like, he's going to, we will prepare for a judgeship after graduation in the highest court. It's just those things where people have such big plans for their kids when, like, oh, my baby's going to graduate from Yale or Harvard, haven't decided which. They're going to take over their father's farm, just planning out the child's whole life. And the scene here is very ominous. She's talking to a lady. This actually makes me think of the movie The Witches. But the scene is very kind of ominous because the clouds are very, very dark. It's fall. And we see what looks like crows. And all of a sudden, we see the carriage just on its own, just rolling backwards like they're on a hill. And of course, she mentions making time for marriage and family. And all of that, just like his father. It's like, isn't that what grown-ups want for their children? So, like I said, he's probably about six months old here. Maybe a little less. And he's saying how, I was afraid because I didn't want to grow up. Because everyone who grows up has to die someday. Well, I mean, I guess that's a good reason to stay in Neverland, but... So, he's like, I ran away. So, we see it's raining out. We see the pram. It's knocked over he's like six feet away from the pram just crying this poor baby just being rained on so ting comes and rescues him she puts fairy dust on him and takes him to neverland of course peter's like i was still a little boy and i missed my mother so he goes back decided to fly home to his very own window of course when he got there as my window was shut and they'd forgotten about me as they have a new baby. So clearly they've moved on after what he looks to be probably about four or five years old. He's like, I found other windows to visit that weren't close shut on me. And that's how I met Wendy. I chased my shadow in her nursery. Yes, he meets Gwen- young Gwyneth Peltro as Wendy Moira Angela Darling. He says he always came back to see Wendy, always in the spring. Wendy kept getting older. He ends up seeing her when she's like 16 and seeing her again when she's like maybe in her 20s. And then he returns again and it's Maggie Smith. And he just can't believe, oh, she's so old. Of course, she's like, Peter, I can't come with you. I've forgotten how to fly. She's like, I'm old, Peter. And she looks at him. She's sitting in front of a fire reading a book. He's like, ever so much more than 20. And she's like, I grew up a long time ago. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, you promised. And she's like, I have children of my own. And they have children. So she's like, that's my grandchild, Moira, asleep in the bed. So Peter narrates, like, when I saw her lying in the bed, something changed inside me forever. And he's like... I shall give her a kiss. And Wendy right away is like, no, 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 Peter. No, no thimbles. You're going to break her heart when she realizes that she can't keep you. And he's like, no, I want to give her a real kiss. It looks like it's got to be right around the time of the 60s. Because it looks like she's got a Beatles calendar, Moira does. Of course, just as he's leaning in to kiss her, Tink arrives on the windowsill and sees this. And her heart. The, f- the flag that she's carried for Peter all her long years, the last 12 years, she pretty much raised him. And it's always been just, you know, the two of them and the Lost Boys. But now she sees that his heart now belongs to another. So, of course, 
we flash back to a present time here with Tink and Peter. She's like, I can see why you have you have a hard time finding happy thought. There's so many sad memories. So he's remembering when he's remembering Jack's birth and he's finding his kids are his happy thoughts. So he's narrating saying, I know why I came back. I know why I grew up. I wanted to be a father. And he's like holding his infant son and just like, I'm a daddy. My happy thought. So excited. He's like, I got it. I found it. Of course, we see him hovering over the floor. Just like a, f- like a, a few feet. All right. And she's like, hold on to that happy thought. And he does. And he bursts out of that hideout. And he is in full Peter Pan garb. I'll sound the alarm. The kids are like, Pan's back. Pan's back. And of course, Rufio's like, shoot. The kids all part way, all part like the Red Sea, as Rufio now has the sword and he lays it down at Peter's feet. Like, I'm giving you your sword back. He says, you are the pan. Actually, I'm sorry, no, Rufio kneels and he has the sword in his hands. Just like, I'm giving this to you. You are the pan. As Peter takes it. just you know gives him the sword and it's just this ceremonial moment and peter draws a line with the sword on the ground and the kids all all of them but rufio are on his side now and i love rufio's like you can fly you can fight and you can and right away peter is just like I know it's weak sauce compared to them, but... (laughs) So, of course, Tink's not too happy. She knows that this is just the start of the end. Now that Peter is ready to go and fight Captain Hook, he's going to be leaving again, and this time for good. He's not going to be coming back. So she's just sitting in her, her little house, all sad and depressed. I notice that she's got... Peter's belongings, like his wallet. There's like an American Express card. And she thinks maybe this transformation worked a little too well. Because all of a sudden it's like he forgot, you know, his next big adventure. His final adventure to rescue his kids. Yeah, she's like, you remember your next great adventure to save your kids? And Peter's like, kids? Peter Pan's got kids? And she's like, why are you in Neverland? And of course, she's like, that's easy. To be a, always be a little boy and have fun. It's like, oh, shit. 
worked a little too well, the Neverland magic here. So, of course, Tink gets her one wish, which is to be the same size as Peter and be able to admit her feelings to him. And she kisses him. So her kissing him, you know, giving him a real kiss. And she's like, I love you, Peter Pan. And of course, he's like, more. And she's like, oh, you want me to kiss you more? And he's like, no, Moira. I love Moira and Jack and Maggie. I think this is just the one thing that Tink wanted to have for herself was to be able to tell Peter how she felt. Why she thought he would reciprocate her feelings, I don't know. Because he's like, I love Moira and my kids, Jack and Maggie. And she finally realizes, because she says, you're going to leave Neverland and you're not going to come back this time. And she finally realizes she's not going to have Peter in the way that she wants to. So she finally just says, all right, you need to go save your kids. Go save them. Go. All right, all the kids are getting ready for battle. So apparently the mani manipulation of Jack and the brainwashing worked because now he is dressed just like a junior version of Captain Hook with the black curly hair, with the hat, the whole shebang, the whole outfit. And apparently he wants to pierce Jack's ear with his hook. So Jack can have a hook earring. Oh my god. Apparently, you know, all pirates have earrings. So, yeah. Oh my god. Thank goodness we don't see that. Oh my god. He's like, okay, turn your turn your neck to the head to the side. There we go. Okay, brace yourself because this is really going to hurt. And he's got the hook down. Like, oh! Luckily, Peter's there. He's cut out his silhouette in the... In one of the flags of the ship. I'm sure there's an actual term for it. I don't know what it is. All of this took place in three days, everybody. Can you believe it? I can't. Because Jack looks up, sees the silhouette of Peter as Peter Pan. He's like, who is that, Captain? And of course, Hook is like, it's Peter Pan. So, of course, it's like, all right, look. Hand over my son and you and your men can go free. Go free. I promise I will not kill you. Here we go. As Captain Hook's like, all right, why, you know, why would you ask the lad yourself? He's like, Jack, someone to see you, son. Peter extends a hand and says, Jack, give me your hand. We're going home. But Jack backs away and says, I am home. So of course, Captain Hook's like, see, Peter, he is my son and I love him dearly. He loves me dearly, and I'm prepared to fight dearly for him. Of course, Jack's getting a little confused as Peter's, like, fighting with the other pirates on the ship. He's like, D don't I know him, Captain? Of course, Hook's like, oh, no, no, son, you've never seen him before in your life. Oh, he's like, hey, Jack, I found my happy thought. It took me three days to find it. You want to know what it was? And he flies right up to Jack and says, it was you. So, of course, <laughs> Jack's like, that's my dad. But he's laughing. He's like, but he hates to fly. <laughs> All right. Peter calls in the troops like, bang a ring. Pretty much the Lost Boys are defeating the pirates with the mirrors that are reflected at the sun to basically blind them and then hit them in the face with eggs. Me looks like he is going to make a break for it. He's taking whatever he can 
going to America to go and um, trade in all the silver, gold, and probably live a decent life in America. Or, I mean the UK, I'm sorry. So I remember this scene where Thud, like, turns himself into a bull, into a bull, (laughs) turns himself into a ball and goes down the ramp and hits a bunch of pirates on the way down. They're getting people, you know, the pirates, the Lost Boys are getting them with paint. They're getting them with, like, tomatoes, fruit, stuff, whatever they can. They're feeding them that way, I guess. So Maggie, of course, is not the only child that they've captured. There's quite a few kids here. And, of course, she's got a little um, bed sheet that's been tied up that she's trying to escape. You know that Rufio wants a piece of hook, but... Peter's like, no, 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 no. The old man is mine. So Maggie sees Peter and she's, daddy, daddy. And just looking like, daddy? Like, she's not expecting him to look unlike himself. So Maggie's seeing her dad swashbuckling, you know, sword fighting with some guys. Like, what? This is not my dad. This is weird. I love, this is so sweet as he hugs Maggie. He's like, honey, I will never lose you again. Of course, in a hot second here, we are going to get a sad moment with Captain Hook and Rufio. Unfortunately, Peter doesn't make it in time and Captain Hook does get Rufio with a sword, like, right in the heart. And it's like, no! Rufio! Do you think that Rufio at first He's got Hook on the run. He's like, looky, looky, I got Hooky because he's got his sword over Hook's. And right away, Hook pulls his sword out and stabs him, Rufio, right in the heart. And he's like, no, it's like such a shock because you're not expecting it. And this is supposed to be a family movie. I mean, a kid, even though he's a lost boy, gets killed. And Peter is there to catch Rufio as he falls back. Because I mean, even Rufio is surprised. I mean, you thought, like, they're like, oh, we kill pirates. But even Hook is like, I've been killing Lost Boys for years. Like, do you think that was just something that wasn't true? Like, people do die in Neverland. Even kids. And being a Lost Boy is not going to make you exempt from being killed. And Rufio surprises Peter with his last words. as You know what I wish? And Peter's like, what? That I had a dad like you, and he just dies. And it's like, I. Peter just looked right at Hook, like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. We cut to Jack after Rufio says that, and Jack is just crying, like, Dad, I'm sorry. The way that Peter. Peter is now out for blood. He's like, I will. Basically, you took Rufio. I will not let you take... You killed Rufio. I will not let you take my son. So, of course, Hook is ready to fight Peter to the death. Of course, Jack's like, Dad, I want to go home. And he takes off that pirate hat with the black wig. Of course, Hook's like, what are you talking about? You are home. Like, no, he's not. And Peter goes over to scoop up Jack. And it's like, basically, I got my kids. That's all I wanted. I don't want to end your life. So this should be enough. But Hook doesn't want that. He wants to kill Peter. Like, this is not over. 
Basically, Hook's like, you leave now, and I'm going to keep coming after you. There will be daggers with notes bearing the name James Hook. They will be flung at the doors of your children's children's children. So basically your great, great, great grandchildren. I'm going to keep coming back. So Peter and Hook battle it out. All the Lost Boys are like, I believe in you. I believe in you, Peter. And Maggie and Jack are like, I believe in you. I believe in you. And that's enough because Hook's now got Peter over a barrel, basically. It's going to kill him. It's all that Peter needs is that I believe in you. I believe in you. And he overtakes Hook. Yeah, he's got Hook on the ground. He takes his sword. But Peter ends up handing Hook his sword back. And you think, like, oh, he's going to be gracious about it. Like, thank you. We can continue this fight. No, he takes his hook and runs it over the top of Peter's arm, slashing him. Of course, they distract Hook. They confuse him with all those ticking clocks. And Peter de-wigs Captain Hook, who is Almost 98% bald. He's got no hair on his head. That was a wig the whole time. Of course it was. And the the wig and hat fall on one of the lost boys. Ew. So, of course Peter gives him back his wig because Hook's like, oh, well, you took my hand. Give me my dignity. Like, uh, here's your wig back. And Peter, who's still got his sword pointed right at Hook's throat says, you killed Rufio, you kidnapped my children, you deserve to die. Of course, Hook's like, well, you you are right, you do have me there, Peter. Maggie comes up and she's like, Daddy, let's go home, please? He can't hurt us anymore. It's like, ah, well, he did just threaten to come after your kids, your children's children, and your children's grandchildren, so he kind of can keep coming back. Jack is the one that says, he let's go, he can't hurt us anymore. Oh, of course, Hook's all like, what would the world be without Captain Hook? He puts that wig back on, it looks horrible. And Hook, uh, <laughs> or Peter says, I want you to take your ship and go. So he's basically Scar saying, no, Simba saying to Scar, run away and never return. He's like, I never want to see your face in Neverland again. It's basically running him out of town. So, of course, he pulls out a sword and he's like, You fool! James Hook is Neverland! And whenever children open, open a book, it'll say, Thus perished Peter Pan. Oh, you telling him to go ain't gonna do anything. Hook raises his hook to kill Peter. Tink stops it. And then Peter takes Hook's hand and shoves it right into the belly of that crocodile. So the clock falls out of the crocodile's mouth and we see Hook on the ground. And it looks like he leaps into the crocodile's stomach. And all of a sudden the croc is now on the ground. His large jaws wide open. And the kids, it's really like all this dust. And the kids are like, oh man, he's gone. Oh, Peter and the kids, the Lost Boys, they're all celebrating that Hook is now dead. And of course, he sees Maggie and Jack there, and he realizes, 
I've done what I've came to do, and now I have to go back. And the characters are like, no, no, the Lost Boys are like, don't leave us. So Peter has Tink take Jack and Maggie home ahead of him. So he can, of course, decide who now, since Rufio's gone, somebody else has to be put in place to take care of the Lost Boys. You have to have a leader. So... Peter tells Jack and Maggie, all you have to do is think one happy thought and you'll fly like me. Of course, Maggie's is mommy. Jack's, of course, is my dad, Peter Pan. Alright, Tink's going to take Jack and Maggie home. Now Peter has to dole out who is going to take care of the Lost Boys now that he's leaving and Rufio's gone. So if you watch this movie, the blonde-haired, the tall blonde-haired boy standing next to Thud, or Thudbutt, if you think he looks familiar, have you seen the movie Parenthood with Steve Martin? This boy plays Kevin in Parenthood. Also plays in the movie The Witches, which scared me to death as a child. <laughs> but he played Luke. I'm sorry, guys. I'm drinking pop. It's giving me blah, blah. Um, But no, he played Luke in that movie. Ah, there we go again. Jesus, Lizo. So Thud's like, please don't leave, and please don't say goodbye. And of course, the young boy, curl, uh, dark-haired kid, is like, what's goodbye? And of course, uh, the blonde-haired kid, the tall blonde-haired kid is like, it's going away. That's what it is. Forgetting about us all over again. And Peter's like, you're all my lost boys. I'll never forget you. So he goes down the row of lost boys and stops at Thud. And Thud is... <coughs> Dang it, now I got the hiccups. I'm sorry, guys. And Thud is just in awe as he takes the sword. It makes me kind of wonder, like, if he and Thudbutt hadn't had that conversation, who would he have left after Rufio was gone? I can imagine it would be, like, the baby David Allen Greer kid who was like, There you are, Peter. He goes, like, two steps past Thud to this one boy. It's kind of like a fake-out, almost. And then he goes back and gives the sword to Thud. Peter leans down and kind of whispers, like, I want you to take care of everyone who's smaller than you. So, of course, the dark-haired curly kid is like, who do I look after? And, of course, Peter's like, never bugs. Little ones. So Thud raises the sword up high, smiling, and we see the kid with the dark curly hair as Peter leaves. The kid says that was a great game. <clears throat> now we are back in London. We're back in the kids' room. Moira of course is asleep in the chair as Jack and Maggie fly in. Which is probably just as well that she's asleep because <clears throat> I don't know how she'd be able to take her kids flying into the window. Flying through the window. So Jack walks behind Moira. <clears throat> Moira sleeping in the chair. Again, I'm sorry for the hiccups. And he's like, hey, I know her. And Maggie's like, she looks like an angel. Let's not wake her up. So they both go to their beds. And I want to play this clip because it's so sweet. Just her seeing her babies there waking up in bed. And it's almost like to her, it's like it was a dream. And that's how she could hopefully perceive it.
Oh man, even I got teared up at that. Oh my gosh. So she goes, um, Moira wakes up. She goes to close the door. And, and Wendy comes in. She's like, oh honey, have you been sleeping this whole time? And Moira says that, you know, even in her dreams, you know, she sees her kids just asleep in their beds. And boom, each of them pop up like, mommy, mom. And they run to her and hug her, and she's underneath just holding her babies. And it's just so sweet. She's crying. It's like, oh my gosh. So it's Wendy, of course, is looking to see if Peter's out there. Um, but Peter's not there. He is in a park. Oh, this looks like it could be a statue of Peter Pan, possibly. It's like a boy blowing like a little flute. Um, Peter wakes up, sees that, and... Then he sees Smee, or a person that looks like Smee, who is just um, sweeping up the broken bottles and stuff on the ground. Like a person who uh, cleans up the park. And it almost makes Peter think, and maybe even us wonder, like, was this all a dream? Was this all in Peter's head? I don't think it was. So what do you guys think? Do you think that Smee, like, got out of Neverland and came to London and he's just been living here the whole time? I don't know. I noticed that Peter has around his neck, it's Toodles Marbles. So we get our last scene with Tink here. This is the last time we're going to see her for the movie. So she's like, Peter, say it, say it and mean it, as he says, I believe in fairies. And she tells him about the place between sleep and awake, where you think that you're still dreaming, that's where I'll always love you. He's like, that's where I'll be waiting. So that was Tink's end scene. Now, of course, Peter can't fly, so how's he going to get inside? He's got to make a grand entrance. He can't just walk through the door. So yes, the dog's name is Nana. And he like crawls right into her doghouse with it. Go give us a kiss, you big drool machine. <laughs> and then her name says Nana on the top of her doghouse. How in the world is that cell still ringing? That is crazy. Of course, Brad's been on the line this long, apparently. I'm like, what? So he's probably, Peter, where have you been? He's like, oh yeah, I was in Neverland. You know, the Lost Boys, Jim Hook, Duel to the Death. I'll fill you in later. I love this. He's like, well, I'd love to chat with you, Brad, but I have to climb a drain pipe. And of course he's like, well, because I ran out of fairy dust. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Otherwise it would have flown up. Come on. I'm going to play this clip. It's, of course the door is shut and he sees Maggie, Moira, Jack, and Granny Wendy all talking about the adventures of Neverland and the Lost Boys and Captain Hook. Maggie, 
I tell you about this window? Always keep it open! Oh! Never, ever, ever close! on the door and Jack comes over and is like, excuse me, do you have an appointment? He opens the door and of course you think, oh no, Peter's back to his old grumpy jerk self. He's like, how many times have I told you not to stand near open, or what have I told you about open windows? And Jack's kind of like, oh no, here we go. And of course, Peter surprises him by saying, always leave it open! And he hugs his son! Oh, it is beautiful! He's like, never, ever, ever close it as he picks Jack up and whirls him around. And then, of course, he sees Moira. Of course, they kiss, and Brad is calling back again. So he's like, hey, Brad, have you ever experienced the joy of flying? Feel this. And he chucks the phone back out the window. And Moira's like, where have you been? And of course, Maggie's like, fly me, daddy, fly me. And he's like, anytime, Maggie. And he picks her up and twirls her around. Toodles comes in. He's like, hello, Peter. I've missed the adventure, haven't I? And Peter takes the leather sack from around his neck. And he's like, I believe these belong to you. And Toodles pours them out in his palm. He's like, my marbles! My marbles! I haven't lost my marbles at all! And it's just like, oh, oh. Of course, Wendy's like, hello, boy. And Peter's like, hello, Wendy lady. And he puts his arm out like, give us a squatch. Come on, get in here. <laughs> oh, so sweet. And she pulls back and says, boy, why are you crying? And it's kind of like a throwback to the, you know, the beginning of the movie. Anyway, and Peter's like, 
I don't know. A tear for every happy thought. And she's like, one for me? And Jack and Meg are like, one for me? One for me? And Toodles is like, and one for me! And it turns out that sack of marbles had some pixie dust in there. Yes! He's going to Neverland. He's getting his, his happy, he's getting his wish. That's what he clearly wanted. He can, he can help out, you know, Thudbutt with, you know, watching the kids and everything. Oh, Toodles flies out the window and it's just, and so everyone's like, ah, look at Toodles. He's going to Neverland. So Peter and Wendy, Moira, Jack, and Maggie are all out on the balcony. And Wendy's like, so your adventures are over. And Peter's like, oh no, to live would be an awfully big adventure. And that's the movie. It's, oh, I am so happy that Nicole requested this because I have not seen this movie in years and I just loved revisiting it. I guys, I really hope, you know, I'm in my coughing and then towards the end of the movie, the hiccups that I had that you guys enjoyed this as much as I did. I really liked going down memory lane and just realizing things that I would have like overlooked or maybe went over my head as a kid. And also thank you subtitles for keying me in on certain things that, like I said, probably I, w- I wouldn't have heard on my VHS tape. Or as a kid, I wouldn't have gotten until, you know, I was an, adu- an adult. So, yeah, this is the review, guys. I, I Like I said, if you guys want to send a um, listener request movie review, just hit me up on the LBOM Wonder Years at podcast at gmail.com and I will see what I can do. Um, Odds are basically it's got to be something that I already own or something that is available on either Disney Plus on Hulu or Netflix or Amazon Prime because other than that I would really have no way of getting it. So, alright everybody. It's the weekend so definitely sit back you know Grab some popcorn, get, grab a snack, grab your favorite beverage, and just sit back and watch this. Or even, you know, get in your car, just go for a little drive. You know, if it's a nice day, just, you know, pop this into the old adapter in your car and just give it a listen. All right, everybody. Bye-bye.